welcome in to Heavy Hitters, everybody, right here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown. We are back. It is Wednesday, October 26th, right here smack dab in Berks County on the campus of Kutztown University. Mitch, we're back. We had a great Monday show back, filled we? with chaos, but we are back and better than ever, ready to talk about a plethora of things, World Series preview, Astros, oh, Phillies, baby. NFL news, Recapping what was Monday Night Football between the Bears and Patriots. Uh, previewing what is now week eight already. Eight. Week eight. We're not even halfway there, though. It's not. We're not halfway there, but it's still going pretty fast. That's crazy to think about, Jack. Like, this has already been such a long season, and we're not even halfway there. I know. Unbelievable. Not even half. And then hour number two, we got college football week nine preview select teams. We'll talk about Penn State, Ohio State. What is that rivalry and what to Penn expect State. for this weekend? And time permitting, we will get to some NHL tidbits here as we are still very early on in the season. But a lot of positives and a lot of ways to the Metro. And Mitch, that keeps cutting out my headphones when you do that. But it's funny. Oh, it does? Yeah, a little bit. But Wait, why? I don't know. It's interesting. <laughs> Was but it doing it on Monday? No, not really. I don't know why it's doing it now. So but I'm, I'm toying with my cord because I can only hear us out of my left ear. You know, my, my right ear has gone, or my headphones in my that, right ear have yeah. gone totally out. But uh, okay, I didn't know. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it be. I'll stop fiddling. Stop fiddling. Stop. Apologies. Fiddling. <laughs> Soiled it. Soiled it. Soiled it. <laughs> what a what a show. Let's just my goodness, if you missed the Monday show, let's look at this pitch here. You can catch it on Spotify. Uh we have a Spotify page for Kutztown University Radio. You can find all sorts of programming there, including heavy hitters. Monday show was a doozy. I mean, what did we have? We had me screaming about the World Series. We had incessantly, uh, mind incessantly. You. <laughs> yes, we had uh, people poking me live on air. That was fun. We had a Doofenshmirtz impression. I mean, so many highlights. If you missed the Monday show, please uh, go back, catch up on all the heavy hitters drama. But this week, like Jack said, so much to get into. Where are we starting, sir? Well, I did the only appropriate place to start because it's, it's so the local. World Series. Is the World Series Astros Phillies? It will begin on Friday. Aaron Nola has already been announced as the game one starter for I the saw Phillies. That. How Zach about Wheeler that? will go for game two. Rob Thompson's explanation is that Wheeler, uh, you know, the extra day of rest doesn't hurt for him, and for the guy who's been pitching like one of the game's best, if not the game's best pitcher in the postseason, has been, you know, it's it's been phenomenal to see what Wheeler's done, and it hurts because he was a Met let go a couple years ago when we were still under the Wilpon regime. Um, you know, Steve Cohn would have never let that happen. But I digress. I'm not going to get into that soapbox. He is on the <laughs> Phillies. He's starring. He is leading a team to the World Series to meet up with the gauntlet slash juggernaut that is the Houston Astros. Interesting development, by the way. Earlier today, I saw on Twitter, uh, Jalen Hurts was rocking Astros gear. What? He is from Houston, Texas. So no, not a, see. I knew I hated him. Was born in Houston, I Texas. I knew I couldn't stand. Was wearing an Astros shirt and an Astros hat. So he we know should where, be benched for that. Honestly, know, this is honest. Like, we know where he stands on this matter. Philadelphia is a city where you accept the whole city, or you aren't part of it at all. Well, this is why I, I get on Josh because you know, Phillies, but the Cowboys. Phillies, yeah, exactly. Get out of my face. <laughs> now that makes no get sense. Get out of my face. Now that makes no sense. And his explanation for that, he said it on air, has made no sense. Jalen Hurts has a solid reason. I don't care. Grew up in Houston, Texas. He's the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. You root for the Philly. It doesn't matter. No. No, sir. Matters to me. You represent your hometown. I don't like Roots, baby. Who's paying him? Who's paying him millions Um, of dollars? Lori? Philadelphia. Well, not the city. The owner of the Eagles is. Which is founded in Philadelphia. Yeah, I guess. More or less. Maybe. Also, for those that couldn't tell, I still barely have a voice. And uh, this will be the one show I have a voice for the next, like, three weeks because <laughs> I guarantee you it will be gone on Monday after a weekend of 
screaming it, baseball and football, which, by the way, matches up. Did you see this, Jack? The off days for the World Series are Sunday and Thursday. Guess when the Eagles play? Sunday and Thursday night. Conflicting. Conflicting schedules. No, no, perfectly unconflicting. Yeah, I mean, you got to look, you got to stay true to who you are, though. I mean, for Hurts, like, like, he is from Houston. It's not like he's just from, like, some smaller town that's not near Houston in Texas. He was born right in the heart of Houston, I where the Astros are. It makes care. sense. Stick to your roots. He's the Philadelphia Eagles quarterback. That doesn't matter. Cares. It matters to me. I don't like rooting for anyone else. Well, I'll, yeah, because you're an Eagles slash Phillies fan. Yes, because I'm a cult member. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, Lavonair Mitchell Smedley has... Alleged, well, not allegedly, he has confirmed that he is a member of a ongoing cult. Interesting development. This no. may be uh, read into my status in KUR might be up for grabs here. Maybe Linda will replace me. <laughs> <laughs> is she coming on today? She is later. All right, don't miss it. Linda Zuniga yes, coming had, on to the show. Had, had picks on last week's show. We will go into that. Keep nice. it, try to keep it as organized as possible. But getting back on the tracks yes. here. World Wheeler Series. and Nola, that's an interesting point that you bring up to start off, though, because that did just break, and I am... In favor of it, ish. I think what they're really doing is playing for the split here, because you're putting your ace offset of Verlander. Uh, you're you're playing for the split in the away games, which has been the formula for success for this team. However, it means that Wheeler won't pitch Game Five, which I'm upset about because that is going to be the first. You know, I, I assume no one's getting swept in this series. That's going to be the first like potentially clinching game it's a big game i i'm not necessarily concerned for game one i'm more concerned for game five by this decision however however jack it does line up more for what i said my prediction for the uh for the series my official prediction phillies in six zach wheeler closing it out how about that yeah and you know things can go south real quick though if nola has a clunker in game one and that's the thing that is leaving it up to risk now i i do understand the rationale from rob thompson here it does make sense you know, more rest days really, well, more times than not, don't hurt. Uh, but it really depends on the pitcher. You know, they're more comfortable going on normal rest, extra rest. You know, that's that's a conversation the manager has with the pitcher, and they get a feeling out process there. Clearly, they had those discussions uh, within the organization, uh, you know, front office, Thompson, management, everyone that's involved in making those types of decisions. Clearly felt it was best for Wheeler to get the rest, and you well, know, we'll I, see how it works out. If I remember correctly, coming off the All-Star break, Aaron Nola was terrible off the extra rest days. So that might be what they're trying to eliminate is keep him as in, in rhythm as possible. Whereas I think what he said was like it doesn't affect Wheeler that, that much or it might be a positive for him where I think it's a negative for Nola to have extra rest. That's a good point. That is so, a fair, fair point. That might be what they're trying to do. Well, we do have a quick message from the KUR Notebook. Attention Lovely. KU community. The Kutztown Folk Music Society's 2022-2023 season continues on Friday night, January 13th with a performance by Ken Garrett and Henry Koretsky. These two longtime performers will bring out the strings in different musical styles. The performance takes place at St. Paul's UCC, which is located at 47 South White Oak Street in Kutztown. Doors open at 6 p.m. and the performance begins at 7.30 p.m. The parking and the entrance to the church are at the rear in the alley. Admission for adults is a $9 donation, while children 12 and under can attend for free. Food and drink will not be served. For more information, you can contact Keith Brinsenhoff at 484 484- 336-9639 or St. Paul's UCC at 610-683-3393. We hope 
to see you there. This message of community interest is brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. Welcome back to Heavy Hitters, everybody, on this lovely Wednesday afternoon. We're talking about a Phillies World Series, Jack. That's yes. what we're talking about. That's not the lovely part, but... Uh, that is the lovely we, part. Well, for you, yes, but... Oh, it's the it's so gorgeous. It I is. haven't had this in five years. Mitch, it's, it's an exciting time of year all around. We're nearing Halloween. I hate means, Halloween. Well, yes, but... True story. I was, I was going to keep going. <laughs> I was going to keep going. Um, and then we're getting closer to Thanksgiving and, of course, Christmas. Also hate Thanksgiving. Wow, you were just... I love Christmas, though. Yeah, wow. Okay. What, do you not like the food for Thanksgiving? Or... I, you know I don't. We, you we... know I eat chicken tenders every day. Oh, yeah, but... Turkey? What do you think I eat on Thanksgiving? Chicken. Yes. Okay. It's the same thing, just more of it. One diet. One. Uh, Mitch is a... Uh, oh, what's it called? Oh. A five-year-old? No, no. There's a certain <laughs> diet for people who only eat chicken. Right. Oh, oh, a... Uh, oh, what is that? What do they call that? Poultry? Poltergeist? <laughs> oh, God. No. No. Maybe on maybe on Halloween. I don't know. We'll look it up. We'll Isn't figure it out during the break. Is that a ghost, a poltergeist? Yes, it is a yeah. paranormal slash like ghostly figure. Call me the poltergeist. Well, okay. Well, <laughs> Mitch's new self-proclaimed nickname, the poltergeist. Dude, the poltergeist and the estate. <laughs> yeah, oh, my goodness. A hey, a poltergeist haunts an estate, right? A man full of nicknames, yeah. Mitchell Smedley. Well, I'm a wordsmith, Jack. I'm a communications <laughs> major. I may are. be adding a professional writing minor. Maybe. Just Maybe sent out that email today. Interesting. Yeah. Well, get, let's get back to the World Series. We were talking about games one and two with Nola and Wheeler. Ranger will more than likely line up for game three, barring anything unforeseen. That's interesting because, well, actually, no, I forgot. Uh, I was going to say this weird because he pitched the ninth inning in the clincher, but, but so that was rest. so much rest. Yeah. I mean, it's, that was Sunday. Not I mean, even an issue. Yeah, that was days ago. So, All right, well, I'm sorry, Jack. He's getting like 10 days rest now. I didn't realize. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, getting back to the Astros side of things now. We're going to shift. Yes. We talked about the Phillies a little bit in the early aspects. We don't know who the Astros starter is. Presumably, it's going to be Verlander it's for game one, Valdez for game two. I don't think there's going to be much overthinking on the side of Dusty Baker and the Astros. They're going to roll with their guys. They're going to roll with who's gotten them here. And that's been Verlander and Valdez. I mean, Verlander struggled against the Astros, uh, the Astros, against the Mariners, excuse me, in the LDS in Game 1. His team backed them up with that walk-off. Valdez absolutely went and shoved it in Game 2. Did the same thing against the Yankees in the in the LCS in Game 2. So these are two guys who've been feeling themselves all year. Verlander more than likely going to win the Cy Young in the AL. Uh, he's just been fantastic. I mean, age 39, coming back from those two years of injuries. I talked about it on the Monday show. I'm not going to go back down that rabbit hole, but it's incredible to see him back. And he was talking today with the media and just saying he's gotten a brand new perspective. You know, this is his fifth time in the World Series now. It's just, it's the guy who, dang it, that made me laugh because of Chris Collinsworth. And here's a guy. <laughs> now here's a guy. Now here's a guy. <laughs> no, no, but in all seriousness, for Verlander, though, he's a guy who's going to strut into, strut into Cooperstown. He's a... Certified Hall of Famer. There's no doubt about that. He's got all the accolades to back it up. Um, but, you know, it was interesting seeing a guy who's now so late in his career talk about this perspective change because, you know, you thought about a guy who's always been that stud pitcher. He's always been the ace. Ever since he came into the league, he just, boom, right from the moment he stepped in, he was just that dominant. He was that guy. He was the top of the line, top of the top of the rotation guys. So it's just like seeing this perspective change and seeing how he's trying to take everything all in, it's Interesting because you usually don't see it from guys who are this far into their careers like Verlander is. It's a very good point. I mean, he's just there's nothing else to say. He's just like and that's the story of the the whole Astros team, I think. I mean, this is third World Series in how many years? Fourth, actually. Four. Fourth and six years. All right, yeah. Three in like is it in a row? No, 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 no. They made so it was seventeen, nineteen, yeah, nineteen, twenty one, twenty two. Twenty two. Yeah, 20 with the COVID year. That was the Rays, right? Yep, Dodgers-Rays. Yeah, so 
it's just and they, they you know six straight right uh NLC, or ALCSs yes sir like this team has just been there before so much and that's really the big difference between the Phillies cuz what are the Phillies you know you got Kyle Schwarber who's made playoff runs and a world series uh you got um uh, well i mean Harper real muto never been and here. real muto and Segura, they were the two that hadn't been to the playoffs in the longest and now here they are but i i think outside of Schwarber, the the experience is Really not there, you know. Castellanos, what, what is that, he doing? I think he's never made it past the wild card round. He was with the Reds in 2020. They lost to the Braves. Yep. So I mean, look, these, this is a band of team. This is a team who's collectively really putting the puzzle pieces together yeah, now. Exactly. Like, like, like they've banded together late in the season. They've gotten hot at the right time. These are the two opposite teams. It's a dynasty type team, and the Astros, who they've been here before, they know what it takes. Uh, they've won it before, and the Phillies. They've obviously won it before, but not with these group of guys. It's, it was exactly all brand new faces uh, in oh, terms of the last time they won. Years ago. Exactly, it was so long it was ago. A different, well, not so long ago. Completely different team. That was all all it, homegrown talent. That and was the identities. Utley, Ryan Howard, right? Exactly. And and then you had the the pitching that was just outstanding. Um, Lidge being perfect for a season. I mean, this team is not perfect. Let's just get that out of the way. I mean, you want to look at perfection uh, where this team doesn't have it. It's the closer. I mean, we've been piecing it together throughout the entire postseason. Ranger Suarez just did it. Zach Keflin was doing it a lot. Closer by committee. Right, exactly. It's just this team is just working together around a couple key guys that have been there, like Schwarber and Robertson are really the only two that come to mind for me, uh, that have really been there, done that. Otherwise, it's a bunch of homegrown guys that this, this franchise hasn't sniffed the playoffs in years in Hoskins and Bohm and and Veerling and, and all these other, you know, low on the totem pole guys and then it's it's these big guys that we paid to come in that also haven't been there it's it's the Seguras it's the Real Mutos it's the Castellanos and then Schwarber's the outlier but also Harper Harper's the main one my oh my does he look like he's been here before though Jack he, he does is loving postseason baseball I mean that home run I mean we joked about it coming on the air over under 300 times I've watched it probably over that dude just lives for these moments, Jack. It's incredible, and that's why I, I think all of these guys do. Look at Segura coming up big. Look at Hoskins coming up big in a moment like where he was slumping for the last forever. This was one of his cold streaks, and he snapped out of it at the perfect time. These guys just know how to come up big. They they are a set of guys that is really, like you said, peaking at the right time, but just peaking at the right, I mean, at bat. It's, it's less about the right month. It's the right at bat for Segura to come through with that two-run single. Another two-run single later in the playoffs. It's the right at bat for... It's the only at bat Harper could have done what he did. It's incredible to watch these guys all at the precise moment step up, and that's what I think separates this Phillies team from, well, all the teams they've played so far because you had the Stars also contributing on the Padres. Like, Soto hit a couple home runs. Machado... Hit he one. A, he had one, a few Didn't hits. They have a great series, have though. A, right. It, it was a good series, but it wasn't a Harper series. It right? wasn't what you need from your star players. Exactly. When, when you need... When the chips are down, you need your star players to not just come up big, but just take over a series. And that's, that's what did. the Phillies have been able to do. And, you know, this picture is so similar with this team. And it, they said it in the LDS on the broadcast that Joe Davis and John Smoltz, this Phillies team is very, very similar to last year's Atlanta team. Yes, the identities, the it's identities, the same. The identities of those teams are different because the brace had such a strength in the bullpen and a lot of the depth guys were just being the difference maker guys in the LCS specifically against the Dodgers, whereas Harper and Hoskins were the difference with the Phillies. So there are some distinct differences there, but the the way these teams marched through the playoffs, they started off in the wild card rounds and really just imposed their will 
uh, from you know there on out, it's to be determined if the Phillies win the World Series. But their paths to getting to the World Series were very similar in the way they did it. Uh, and it's just these two teams are kind of like it, it's not mirror images, but there are a lot and lots of similarities to the way a these teams were able to get their way to the World Series. Same so, with the Phillies and Padres. Their seasons were so similar as well, getting to that NLCS. Yes, I mean completely underperforming. Uh, had some, you know, well, injuries and suspensions that took out key players for key periods of time. Um, and then just like the, you know, you had the Soto, you had Machado, and you wish you had for uh, Tatis. And then for the Phillies, it was Harper, Schwarber, Castellanos, like these core big money guys that were supposed to lead this team. And, and it, everyone said it's it's got to be the Padres because they have the better bullpen. Well, the Phillies are piecemeal in this bullpen, and it's working. I mean, aside from Sir Anthony throwing three wild pitches because they didn't call a rain delay, I mean, this bullpen's pretty damn good. Yeah, and you know the Padres' bullpen really picked a bad time to implode. I mean, they just fell apart in the Phillies series. I mean, credit to the Phillies for getting to them and putting in good at-bats and getting the hits when they needed them to. But, man, the Padres' bullpen just could not perform in that series the way they did against the Mets and the Dodgers, and that's really what made the difference for me. Well, you a know, lot of it was not using the top guys because the Phillies pounced on them early. Exactly. And and if you can't use your top guys, yeah, you're going to— I mean, if you're using worse players, obviously you're going to have worse results. Uh, but, like, even their top guys like Robert Suarez, who was used heavily against the Mets and the Dodgers, yep. he got hit around a, a lot against the Phillies. They didn't really get to use Josh Hader at all. And I don't, you know, in that game five, I don't know why they didn't bring him in in the eighth when they had a lead. You know, you just got to try to do whatever you can to survive and live another day. But that's a decision we can't really, you know, criticize now. It's in the past. It's it is a crazy what it is. decision. But and it led to one of the best Philadelphia sports moments in history. Thank you, Bob Melvin. Sincere thank you from Mitch to Bob Melvin. <laughs> well, we do have to step aside our first break of today's show. When we come back, further going into our deep dive World Series discussion with the Phillies and the Astros coming your way next, right here on the radio voice of Kutsen University. Yeah, you are. And welcome back into Heavy Hitters. I'm Mitchell Smedley with the hat on on the mic, and that is Jack Heim to the right with the hair on the board. Apparently those are our defining features, according to Abby Regs, drawing pictures in the production room. Do I really wear a hat that often? Mitch, you wear a hat all the time. Not all the time. Mitch, I cannot remember the last time I've seen you without a hat on. Yesterday. Mm, I don't remember that. Yesterday. No, that didn't happen. I wear hats a lot recently because I was wearing Phillies hats before I left mine at home. Yeah, I'll... Actually, I can say that. Your hat's today? Today? Bear me. (laughs) Well, this one's just fun. Yeah, it's a fun hat. Isn't that a song? Bear me hat. It is a song. Yes. Yeah, someone got this for me uh, on a vacation they were on, and they were like, I thought of you. I was like, how sweet. So now I'm wearing it. (laughs) So now I'm wearing it. I also have a shirt that says bear me. Different color though. The orange doesn't really go with the what do we what do we call it? tan yellow? Yeah, it's like a yellowish. It's yeah. like a yellowish tan. Does it go with the Phillies at all? Like this? No, no, no. The the shade of yellow cannot correlate to to the outfit at all. It's but bad. it's a cool hat. Is it bad? No, it's not bad. Together? No, no. Fashion advice on heavy hitters. Mitchell looks ugly today. No, no, never. Yes, never, Mitch. Well, we should get back to our World Series discussion. Yeah, we will get back to our fashion tidbits maybe Is later. Is it really that bad? No, <laughs> it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Oh, he's lying to me. It's horrible. No, I get it. Anyways. <laughs> no. So, uh, Bryce Harper's going to hit 10 home runs this series. That's uh, that's a ludicrous take. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Hyperbolic. Phillies Orioles, ring a bell. Ding, ding, ding. Ludicrous take. <laughs> the 10 home runs? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I was going to say. Over my... one per game if it goes to seven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, if he hits 10 home runs, that's a series of a lifetime. But yeah. I'm not even sure Barry Bonds had one of those series. 
And we know what he was doing. Bond stands alone. 756. <laughs> that, that was an electric call. I love that call. Fantastic. It's it high. It's it deep. It is out of here. Bond 756. stands alone. 756. Bond stands alone. Yes. I love that call. What a call. What, what a stadium call. was that? That was... Uh, that was... I believe at the time it was called... It wasn't Oracle Park. Hmm. It was whatever was... They, they've switched the name of that stadium so much. It's now AT&T Park, I think. Um, I don't know. Maybe it is Oracle Park now. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. It, it, it's one of those two. And I think they had a name before that, which is what it was. That's so, why I asked. Yeah, it's not yeah. a modern day name. No. So. Anyway, Name changes galore. World Series, we're getting back into it. We talked about the early parts of the series with Nola and Wheeler in games one and two. Let's talk uh, about those later Verlander games. And Valdez. And depending on how those games go, it obviously will shape up how the rest of the series goes. But... The depth of these rotations. I mean, we got, for the Phillies, if you look at it, it's Nola in game one, Wheeler game two, Suarez game three. After that, Bailey Falter. We saw no, him. no, please, he, God, he, no. He, he got teed up. Please, God. He got teed up by against the Padres. And the Astros are one of the best hitting teams against left-handed pitchers, so I doubt we see Bailey Falter start a game this series. Um Maybe we see Cindergaard. Please. Well, so, I mean, I don't know. That's the problem, though. It's like... You know, do you, does that game four that it gets a little murky with you looking at the strengths of the Astros as they hit left-handed pitching so well? Yeah, and we saw what happened against Nestor Cortez as he was obviously pitching through an injury, but Jeremy Pena still let that three-run home run. They hit him well, and then they came in and they put another lefty in with Wandy Peralta, and they got another run off him. So I mean, the Astros they've excelled at hitting left-handed pitching. Well, it's just going to be interesting to see, and also sorry. how that bullpen attack goes because Jose Alvarado has been a prime reliever lefty, and you're facing a lineup that loves hitting against lefties. It's going to be an interesting dynamic. He's been one of the most efficient guys out of this Phillies bullpen. Do we see him be as efficient this series, or do we see Serenity Dominguez get an even more increased role than what he's been? Oh, seeing? I think Dominguez will be the guy in this bullpen, but I, I think it's also paramount to just how miraculous and and important it was for the Phillies to win Game Four last time. That was the miracle that sent them to the World Series, coming back from down 4 nothing, when Bailey Falter was on the mound, and, and you're, you're now asking your bullpen to go 8 and a third? I mean, and then to answer that quickly, and, and for Reese to have the game that he did, that was, in my opinion, where the series absolutely went, Phillies are going to the World Series. That's where the, the series turned, was that, even though they didn't tie it or take the lead, the bottom of that first inning, when they got back into the game, and forced the Padres to also go full-length bullpen, it, it, that, that's what got them here. Uh, can, can you do that every time? I highly doubt that. Can you? Are you going to give up four runs in the first inning every time you do that? Hopefully not. Noah Syndergaard should have been pitching that game. I mean, he did great against the Braves. Gave up one hit. It was a solo shot. Otherwise, he retired like all 10 of the batters other than that. So, I mean, Syndergaard should have been pitching. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, I think we'll see him, too. I, I guarantee you we'll see Noah Syndergaard starting Game 4. Uh, but really, I mean, I, I, I struggled to see how such a good team as the Astros can lose a game like that in Game 4. Yeah, exactly. That'll and be it's rough. Just, so you got to chalk that one up to, you don't, you don't want to just throw losses on the board at the outset of a series, especially since the Phillies won that, that bullpen game both times now. Yeah, but the guarantee is you, you, you probably won't get to their bullpen like that either because exactly. Clevenger struggled against the Dodgers. I didn't expect them to be much better against the Phillies, and we saw how that all went. And I think the Astros' rotational depth is the best of any team the Phillies have played so far. I mean, yeah. Verlander, Valdez, Christian Javier was incredibly efficient both against the Mariners and the Yankees. He hadn't I don't seen expect the that to yet. change. I don't expect that to I change, do. but it could happen. And then they have Lance McCullers as their four. And at, at the height of McCullers pitching, he is a top two rotational guy. So 
It's just to have that kind of depth. You're throwing out a very high-quality starter in either Javier or McCullers in Game 4 against Syndergaard. The advantage there goes to the Astros. It's going to be a great series, no doubt, but let's 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 realistically, let's go through the advantages here one by one. You know, we're, we're going to start off with the bullpens. It was a hot topic. In totality, I lean the Astros as a whole. But the Everyone Phillies, said that. Everyone has said that for every series the Phillies have been in. Cardinals have a better bullpen. Now, well, Braves have a better bullpen. Padres have a better I'm not bullpen. saying the Phillies' bullpen's been bad. I'm just saying, in totality, the amount of quality of arms that the Astros will be able to throw out there is greater than the sum of the quality arms that the Phillies will be able Who to put out in the, the field. Who do you think the Phillies have that are quality arms? Sir Anthony is one, certainly one. Alvarado's been two. quality so far. Uh, in in high-pressure spots, I think that's where that list... You think that's could, it? Well, I'm tr- off the top of my head, I'm trying to think. Okay, let's look at... Spots specifically for what they're they're required to do. Connor Brogdon in this playoffs has been great. Yeah, He's but you're not going to see Connor innings. Brogdon in the eighth inning. Well, okay. Uh, I think a guy you could see in one of those high-leverage high, high leverage situations, if it's a day where Sir Anthony and Alvarado aren't available, I think Bellotti is really one of the unsung heroes of this team. Uh, Andrew Bellotti, is, he's just... He will have... He will, have innings, hand. he will have innings in like the fifth or the sixth where he he explodes. But I think back to a few games this season. One against the Dodgers comes to mind. That was almost was that his debut? I forget where he basically saved a game in either the ninth or extra innings. Bellotti in high pressure situations is a different pitcher. Look for Andrew Bellotti to make a difference in this series. Okay, Mitch. Mitch That's my guy to first. watch. Andrew Bellotti out of the bullpen. Um, but no, but like, you I could you explain. also have Robertson who. Sure, yeah, he Robertson. walked a couple guys, but I think overall he's a very good pitcher. He's also got more time removed from that celebration injury now. Um, who else? Uh, who else is in our bullpen? Yeah, Brad Hand, shaky. Not good. Shaky at best. Hey, remember when he was like the heart and soul of this bullpen? Yeah. <laughs> that was so... Postseason Brad hey, Hand is a different pitcher. If he can get back worse. to that, sure. He, no, he I can hasn't. assure you he hasn't. He because hasn't he's never pitched back. well in the postseason. I don't expect that to change miraculously now in the World Series of all times. Yeah, I mean, look, it's going to be those three guys. I think it's going to be, can two of those three be effective? Right. Can, and that's what we had in, well, actually, no. I, I'd argue in the Padres series, we got by with only Alvarado being effective. We saw what happened to Sir Anthony, and we saw what happened to Robertson. And that's the thing. And that's that was, the thing. And we still won. Yeah. So now imagine if we get another one of those guys playing at their peak level. Yes. You can also Even flip that on them. his head. You could also put that in his head, do if they repeat those not-so-great performances to see some lackluster stuff. Look, the Astros are going to be a lineup. They're an opportunistic lineup. They take advantage of the opponent's mistakes. You saw it against the Yankees, the Glaber flip with the error. They got to run on that. They make teams pay for their mistakes. You see, you know, Nestor with dealing with the injury. He's down in Velo. He leaves one over the plate. Jeremy Pena parks it in left field. You see the the Astros do the same thing, though. Yes, yes. uh, Look at, I mean, the walks. I think there was a game where uh, there were three walks by the Padres. All three of them scored for the Phils. Yeah. Phillies will make you pay. And that's something we're not used to at all. They can. And the Astros really haven't walked a lot of batters in the postseason. That is important. No, Demon, Demon, at least in yeah, starting pitching. Ryan Pressey's been a shutdown closer. You have Brian Abreu who can hit you with a nasty slider and get you with a 99 plus mile an hour fastball out of the bullpen. You got Rafael Montero. You got former Philly Hector Don't Neris. Don't say it. Oh. Hector Neris in the seventh inning has been really incredible, no. incredibly efficient. I mean, they have arms for days out there. I mean, you can run down the list and say, these guys, this, 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 and this. And you can look down those arms and say, wow, all of these guys, we can more than likely count on them to come in in their respective spots and be efficient and be effective and find ways to shut things down. And things can change. Things definitely can change. But from what I've seen from Houston so far, 
This is a team that's playing complete. They, they hit well. They defend well. They pitch well. They do everything well. They don't make, they don't hurt themselves. And the Phillies can do that. They're, we know what the Phillies defense has been like. We've seen it flashes in the postseason with the, the gene drop, the Bohm errors, the Hoskin errors. We've seen these guys make some critical mistakes. They've come back to hurt the team, but the Phillies have been able to respond. I, can the Phillies keep that up is my key question. That's been the, oh, that's been the absolute narrative of the postseason is the Phillies. I mean, you Responding. heard it when... Um, Picking your guys when up when it was, down. Uh, I think Reese's first home run of Game 4. Right after he had made the error the night before, Joe Davis on the call when uh, Hoskins hit it to left, he goes, um, and, and uh, Hoskins hits it to left center. Reese Hoskins redemption again because it wasn't the first time that happened. Because the three-run homer against the Braves was also in a game immediately following a Reese Hoskins error that lost the game. I mean, this team has just responded every single time they've made a mistake. Gene Segura drops the double play and then gets the game-winning hit. I don't understand. Philly's used to not, like, Philly loves to boo people. We love to get upset. I was there when we started booing Castellanos off the field in the in the Cubs series where we got swept. That feels like forever ago. Um, but, like, we're just used to these guys really having that affect them and, and spiral like Alec Bohm until this year, right? But Bohm's whole season has been a response. It's incredible this team has made up for their mistakes for once in our lives. And, it's incredible. You know, it's going to be another interesting development here. My my take on this is that look at who the Astros have played so far. They played the Mariners, they played the Yankees. The star players for those two teams, Julio Rodriguez being one and Aaron Judge for the other, they have done little to nothing Zero. in those series. Now, I expect a trend to be the same, but the big key thing is I don't know if Harper can have the series he had against the Padres. I'm not saying he's incapable. He certainly can. He's certainly good enough to do so. I don't know, buddy. I watched but, his highlights after the Brave series, and everyone was like, can it get better than this? It got better than that. But it can keep here's going the thing. up, buddy. Let's see. Can the depth pieces of the Phillies keep contributing the way that they have? That's, That's what the, the Mariners yep. and the Yankees haven't been able to do. Let's see if the Phillies can do it. I'm looking at Nick Castellanos here. Oh, because my God, am I ever. Now He needs to be dropped to eighth in the lineup. He needs that is to, my one request for this series. He needs to not be hitting fifth. Swap him and Segura. I'm tired of watching Nick Castellanos just not do anything. Yeah, and I don't expect I don't expect the Astros to let Harper and Hoskins burn them like the Padres did. I'm interested to see who's going to be the guy who has been you know doing a little bit of the underrated stuff or doing not a lot, which Cassianos' case has been at the plate. He's yeah. not really done a whole lot. Can someone like that take that monumental step forward when the Phillies need it the most? That is really what I'm looking for. You know, I'm outside of outside of uh, Cassianos. I think Bryson Stott could be a difference maker. You think series. Stott? Okay. Because he's a young guy. Yep. He's only, what, 25? He some, is, 24, 25. Yeah, Somewhere like around that. that range. Look, he's a guy who's had some big at-bats early in the postseason. Had he had that nine-pitch double Jack. against the Braves in Game 3. That was a huge at-bat. They really got the Phillies going in that inning. It's He's a guy who can just take that. He's a young guy who can just take that opportunity and yep. run with it. I've told you. I told you that Stott at-bat was the turning point of the postseason. That was it. That's why the Phillies are here. That one at bat is what changed the momentum. You know, and we've seen Gene do some things, get some big hits at the end of the bat, just dunk him in the right field, I get some big hits. I wouldn't say he's a back end. Gene is an essential, integral part of this piece, oh, uh, yes. of this team. He's a he's a major contributor, and I, I need him to be higher in my lineup. 
I need him to have the spot Castellanos yes, has. But for where he's been hitting, he's been doing some good things oh, at that back end of that lineup. So that's good, why I'm yes. saying it's not going to be Gene I'm looking for because we've seen him do things earlier in yeah. the postseason he's in that the have really ascended of, um, this team. He's in the category of guys you don't want to continue burning you. Yes. He's not a... Uh, like I, the, the other guys I'll point to are Marsh, who's just fallen off a cliff after that big home run against the Braves. Veerling, who... Look out for Matt Veerling if he if he gets a spot in this in this series because Matt Veerling is a little little clutch hitter there. Um, he can really make you pay. Remember that uh, Matt Veerling is the goat uh, sign that was up in the studio one time. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, and I mean a guy with Morgan Wallen as his walk up music is going to be a good player. Uh, yeah, you know that was fantastic. I you know, I've referenced <laughs> that I mentioned I went to a Phillies Braves game earlier in the summer. Well, not earlier in the summer because we're in the fall now, but earlier in the year. And I heard you proof, and I was I like, "Dang, this is a good song." Do. I don't like the Phillies. I don't. Uh, you know, but Matt Veerling could a walk-up song. If you like that. you, Proof, or other Morgan Wallen songs, or other country music, Whoa, okay. Redneck nice. Rush Hour Fridays are fine. Yeah, <laughs> throw that free promo in there for you, buddy. Gotta, dude. Gotta, do. But, I mean, and then, of course, we all come back to Alec Bohm. And this this is the one that's more off, more offense and defense. I mean, Alec Bohm has been having one of the greatest defensive responses I've ever seen by a player. One of the greatest career rebounds I've ever seen. And that has continued into the postseason. He was a better third baseman than Nolan Arenado against the Cardinals. He was on par with Austin Riley in the Braves series. Alec Bohm is, he is making sure, he's not trying to be the series winner, but he's doing exactly what we're talking about here. He is not losing this series for the Phillies. He's not, he is saying, I am not going to be the reason the Phillies lose in the postseason. I think Hoskins could, though. Oh, Hoskins. With the defensive man. blunders he's made man, so far. Man, oh man. Like, the Astros will make you pay for those mistakes like no other team has been able to do that the Phillies have played. That's going to be huge because the Braves had their fair share of chances in the LDS. Yep. They couldn't take advantage. The Astros absolutely can and will. And that's really what I'm scared of for the Phillies. That's like the biggest thing for me, the biggest overarching thing for me that I'm looking at at this series from a bird's eye view is saying if the Phillies defense isn't good enough, isn't, I'm not going to say they need to be perfect, but they need to play clean enough. They can't have those key errors like the Hoskins play or the Segura drop. You can't be dropping routine double plays. That was such a one in a million thing for Segura. I'm not even concerned about it. Oh, I'm not, no, not not for the personal player, but like just whoever's there, like yep. Segura in general. You just well, can't be making those types of mistakes. Well, the in the ninth inning of game one against the Padres. Remember yes. that? Yeah. I mean, it's just there's... There's enough moments where it's on my radar, but this has been the thing for the Phillies the whole season. Oh, the defense. The defense is going to kill them. The defense isn't there. And they're in the World Series. This, I mean, if you're, uh, why can't I think of the GM? Um, Dombrowski. Dombrowski. Dave Dombrowski. Thank you. You're welcome. If you're Dombrowski, I mean, this is grade A. Like, I'm a genius. Defense doesn't matter. My team is in the World Series. He, he, he approached this team and said, we're going to make the ball go boom. We're, we're just going to hit it. I saw a meme on Twitter. We're just going like, to hit the ball. It was it was literally that same thing. It was like, how are you guys going to be able to win? You can't pitch and play defense. And then it was just like, it was Harper, Schwarber, and Castellanos, and it says, ball go boom. <laughs> yeah, I, that's what it is, though. And case in point, case in point, the two games where Reese Hoskins makes an error, he comes back and hits home runs in both of them. He yeah. wins the series. He won the Phillies. This Well, he helped. There were a lot of contributors, but those Reese Hoskins home runs, six runs in two games batted in. It was incredible. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was an incredible, sure, he may have given up one, maybe two, actually no, it was three runs in the Braves series, and it was one in the in the Padres. But the home runs he had in the three games following those two errors, 
it's it's four home runs with nine runs batted in, Jack. That's unheard of. I'll take nine to four any day. I will take that any day. Now, the problem is, is if he makes errors and then doesn't hit home runs, this is a very different conversation. Reese Hoskins probably is not even considering, or he's not even being considered for a contract to come back to Philly. Man, I hope he comes back next year. That's getting ahead of ourselves, though. Yes, it is. Well, we will take our second break of our number one. When we come back further talking about the World Series and some other MLB tidbits as free agency looms on the horizon after the World Series, some big players will be hitting the market. We will be breaking down some of the big reports that have been breaking on those guys. Specifically new managers down in Aaron Miami. Aaron Judge, new manager for the Marlins. So some other MLB tidbits to get to you before we shift into NFL. So stick with us right here on the Radio Voice of Cassandra University. Get you are. And welcome back to Heavy Hitters right here on the radio voice of Kutztown University. KUR Kutztown. Jack High Mitchell Spendley coming back at you with World Series breakdowns. We Definitely stayed in the studio further the time. in <laughs> our discussion. We talked about a lot of different things, uh, what factors would be playing uh, in this series, what we could see early on, what we could see later on. But, you know, we, we were talking about advantages. Defense got to go the way of the Astros. Bullpen, I mentioned Houston's way. Starting pitching. You know, in terms of the top two, I think it's uh, it's, it's a close contest, but Phillies. I give the edge to the Phillies. Yeah! But in totality of the rotations, it's going to be the Astros. But who pitches more in the series, Jack? It's going to be four of those top two. And then Suarez, who I think can also hold his own. He's a very good three, by the way, when he's on. I love how a couple weeks ago on this show, you you were saying, man, I don't like Rangers four as my three. I didn't say that. Yes, you did. I did. I, yes, you did. I don't think Oh, I did. yes, you did. Oh yes! I've always been oh, a fan yes, of Oh yes, you did. Oh, I've always please. been a fan of Ranger. Oh please, save it. Save the baloney. What did I say? When? Save when was the baloney. Oh, was, was this when he gave up eight runs? Yeah, it was like right before the LDS. Oh, right the before LDS. the LDS against Atlanta, you were like, oh, man, I don't know. Rangers not a. I don't really like Rangers. My three. Oh, and then he came in first game of that series, by the way, as the one, and he shoved. Yeah, shoved. He got out of the jams. So, Mitchell I love Spendley. Ranger. Isn't okay. It, uh, isn't that uh, Linda's favorite player, Ranger Suarez? I don't. I don't. I don't know. I think she said it was. I don't know. Maybe we'll get but, a check uh, on that. No, man. I. I. Look, we saw what he did at the end of last year when he first came in the league. He was one of the best pitchers. Come on, if he reaches his potential, Ranger is unhittable. He gets into those those streaks of being unhittable. Well, you definitely said Ranger's not a great three. We will move on. I love him. I am. All in favor of Ranger Suarez. Walking back your words. It's Ranger okay. Station Ranger speaking. <laughs> um, look at that it also here. throws me off that the two biggest highlights of the uh, of Game Five in that NLCS, um, both of them Suarez's were pitching. <laughs> I always get confused because I feel like Ranger Suarez gives up a home run, and then I'm like, oh, different Suarez. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ranger won the game. But um. <coughs> I'm on Twitter. It's just funny. I just see Jalen Hurts, Eagles quarterback, with the Eagles <clears throat> backdrop, and then he's just wearing all Astros gear. Oh, Ridiculous. It's it's, oh, I also it's have hilarious. another advantage to talk about while we're talking about the city as a whole. Philadelphia home field is unmatched right now. Unmatched. Houston's got a pretty good environment. I'm not saying it's better. No, it is not even close. Okay, I It is say not that. even close. You can blare all the sirens you want, H-Town. It's actually or, no, a train it's horn. The train horn. Oh, did they change it? Oh no, they do that like because they have the train tracks top of left field. And they run it across and they hit a home run. Oh, I thought it was like a siren. They do both. Yeah, the, the siren think. annoys me. But you can do all that that you want. 
the Philly fans are the best home field advantage I've seen in quite some time. Quite some time, especially in baseball. It's every pitch, Jack. It's every, and I get, postseason crowds could be in. No, they're screaming. They're chanting derogatory things at very, at, at Marcelo Zuna. They're, <laughs> they're chanting Aaron's better to Austin Nola after Aaron just exploded in the previous game and lost it for us. That's how good they are. They don't care. They'll, they'll set aside the fact that Aaron actually lost us a game just to be loud and annoying toward another opposing player. It's incredible. I've never seen so many chants and 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 so much noise in one game. And and when Harper hit that home run, I don't know how that building didn't like collapse. Well, yes, you know a lot of interesting factors looked there for the Phillies. I want to talk about Houston though because we talked a lot about the players to look for for Philly. For Houston, for me and the lineup, it's got to be Alex Bregman. Arguably one of the best postseason third baseman of all time has the most home runs by any third what baseman. A bold has the take. most RBIs. I mean, oh my God. What do you mean? Well, I, we're sitting here saying it's like, I, I said Veerling and Bellotti. And you're like, man, I think I got to go with Bregman. <laughs> well, I never said it's an underrated. I said it's a player to look for. All so, right. All right. So. I what mean, about like a deep contributor for the Astros? Deep contributor, uh, Yuli Gurriel. Okay. That's better. Yuli Gurriel. I never nice, said. That's better. I, I literally said a player to look for. I never said an underrated guy. All right, so. fine. Anyway. For my two players, uh, Bregman, <laughs> Bregman uh, is you know he's just been so good. I mean, he's looked finally healthy. The last time he looked this good in the postseason, 2019, when they went to the World Series, it was Bregman looked looks, looks like he used to. Looks like the guy he was when he was fully healthy, and it's great to see. He's just getting clutch hits. He shoots one in the opposite field to uh, drive in the leading run in Game Four, seal the deal. Six five Astros. Bregman, man, it's just he's a guy who can really elevate a team, put the team on the back. You know, you saw when Alvarez, you know, he was hitting okay against the Yankees, but it was really Pena and Bregman who stepped in and were like, okay, this is our series. We're going to take over. I think they could do that again. But you know what? Another guy who's an, an obviously a well-recognized name but has been struggling, Jose Altuve. I mean, <laughs> he started to do some things late against the Yankees, shoot it the opposite way, get some weak contact, but get hits. I mean, get that confidence boosted a little bit. Altuve, if he can further break out of his shell, have a good series, that's another guy to look for. But in terms of underrated guys, I think I got to go with Yuli Gurriel. I mean, he just had some big hits against the Yankees, gets that single to make it 4-3 in Game 4, had some other big plays. I mean, he's he looked really good in that LCS. He could easily do it again in the World Series. So, interested to see. But in terms of star players, it's got to be Bregman, underrated Gurriel in the lineup. For pitching, I'm looking at the bullpen. Ryan Presley's got to be as dominant. I know he's a big name, he's the closer. It's not like a ooh, flashy, underrated name, but... Presley brings something to the table that not many closers do. He throws four pitches. He can mix and match them in any spot. And he's a guy who's just, he's what you see in a starter coming out of the bullpen for three outs in the ninth inning. I mean, he's been so dominant, shut down the uh, the Mariners, and locked it up against the Yankees. I mean, he came in, he got three saves. I think he allowed only one hit and got a four-out save in game one, three Ks, struck out the side in game two, and then struck out uh, three of four, no, two of three in game four. I mean, he was just unhittable. 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 Untouchable. And he's a guy who's got to keep that confidence up in the World Series if the Astros want to come away with another title. So, you know, in terms of underrated, Hector Neris, baby. Hector Neris out of that you bullpen. Had to. I knew it was coming. I, I was sitting here waiting. And it's not for just because of the Philly arc. He played for yes, the Phillies. It is. It's because he's looked really good in that seventh inning role. I mean, he's come in, his splitters looked good. He's got that fastball working. I mean, Hector Neris looks like a new pitcher with Houston. I mean, Houston's kind of like the Dodgers in that way. They have that way of just transcending relievers 
into heightened versions of what their past selves were. So, you know, we give the Dodgers a lot of recognition for player development. How about Houston? I mean, they do it, I think, just as good. I mean, the only thing yeah, is Houston, the Dodgers. Dodgers in Tampa. Yeah, the Dodgers just have more faces, so that's why they get a little bit more recognized. But Houston, the yep. way they've been able to develop the players, and a lot of this team's been homegrown, very impressive uh, to, to look at here. But we do have a quick message from the KU Notebook. Attention, KU community. Join the LGBTQ Plus Resource Center for a weekly LGBTQ Plus book club. And an author who is part of the LGBTQ Plus community, as well as a themed book, will be selected to be enjoyed and discussed as a club. The LGBTQ Plus Book Club meets every Tuesday from 2 to 3 p.m. in the Boxwood House. We hope to see you there. This message of community interest is brought to you by the Radio Voice of Kutztown University, KR. Welcome back to Aviators, everybody. <laughs> Very fond memories on this show of uh, watching Ranger Suarez try to blow a lead and just saying, can we not in the middle of a KUR yeah, event? Yeah, can we not? <laughs> yep. <laughs> what KUR event? Contact this person. It was like in the fifth. Can what? we not? It was like the fifth inning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was like there were runners on and you just didn't want to give the lead. Can we not? <laughs> I was I was like Make okay. Sure to contact KUR. Can, Can we, we not? not? <laughs> uh, I listened to so many. That the was other funny. thing I was thinking about when you were talking was uh, when you brought up Altuve. I love that Joe Buck call of his home run. Altuve has just sent the Astros to the World Series. Yep, the 2019 bomb off Chapman to send yes. it and eliminate the Yankees once again. Speaking of the Yankees, it's a great spring point springboard to our next point. Aaron Judge is an impending free agent. Oh baby, and a lot of the storylines out. Uh, from New York so far have not been good. Uh, not just with Judge, but a lot of other free agents uh, that excuse me, are critical to the Yankees. Uh, and quote, uh, the playoff experience at Yankee Stadium this year was rather uh, unpleasant. I'm, I am paraphrasing here, but uh, rather unpleasant for the players. A lot of you know the players were really stunned by the booing of Aaron Judge. And they just, I don't know. Uh, let me let me find it real quick. I know who tweeted it out, so it's not going to take much time. Quite the difference between Philly and uh, New York there. I know? mean, both fan bases are hostile. but uh, Yeah, I mean, the Yankees booing their players like that. Uh, New York, not sell, uh, the Mets not selling out City Field. Now, Cashman and Boone, uh, the manager of Boone, and the GM, uh, Brian Cashman, they are both, uh, from articles that have been reported, are both expected to be back for the 2023 season. Uh, certainly some Yankee fans are going to be displeased with that because... You know, my cousin's a big Yankees and I talked to him about this. I was like, what do you think about Boone and Cashman? And he said he wants both of them gone. And, you know, Michael Kay, the play-by-play guy for oh. the Yankees, he has his own talk show. I want him gone. He He's was like, awful. He was like, look, Boone should not be back as the manager of this team. And I, I 100% agree with that. I Wait, mean, he some has his th- own talk show as the announcer? Yeah, like it's a separate thing, radio thing. That's hilarious. So. Dude, I wish I wish T-Mac could have that where he could just speak, speak freely because he always has to be very, you know, polite because he's – Employed by the team, John Cruck doesn't care though, John which Cruck is so funny. Care you know, before all. the season, I really didn't like John I know, Cruck, and I was but surprised. it was like I don't know. It's just because you know every time I tuned in before then, it was just so homerish. But now I got like a new perspective, and it's just I found a new a newfound respect. I like that for the way he's been able to like. I I see him ripping on the Phillies a little bit too sometimes, and it's just it makes you think. It's like okay, maybe this guy is a little bit more balanced than I thought. Because so, he's one of us. After he was a player, he stayed and he. You know he's he's watched this team for the last thirty years, and he knows he knows when Aaron Nola is just an atrocity against mankind. <laughs> he knows, and the the I think he finds joy in not being able to say that, but finding how close he can get, hinting at it. You know what I mean? Like I remember we were getting blown out by I think the Mets, and he, he was just saying all these things about our pitchers that like, you know, were insults, but not really. And then he just tells funny stories about like being lost in an airport. <laughs> Yeah, it's oh, crazy. Talk. I found the quote, by the way. Oh, great. More than one Yankee player has told his agent this week that playing at Yankee Stadium 
this past weekend was an unusually brutal experience. It was hard for many teammates to believe that fans booed Judge. Interesting because, now it's an interesting dynamic between the fans and the player relationship. You know, I remember last year with the Mets a lot when Francisco Lindor was struggling his first year. He was getting booed and then the whole thumbs down thing with him and Javi Baez. It was a divided kind of thing. It was just like the fans and Lindor were kind of against each other. And with the season Judge had, I mean, look, did he have the greatest postseason by any means? No. I mean, he was not good. He struck out a lot, didn't really have the greatest of at-bats, hit some home runs. But in totality, his overall statistical lines were not great. He wasn't the player that the Yankees had throughout the entirety of the season. He wasn't the guy that put the team on his back and said, yeah, I'm going to get you to where we need to go. I think it's just a running out of gas type of deal where it's like, look, we took it to the LCS, but we're not a good enough team to beat the Astros, and that's as far as we can go. So it's just... I don't know. I I just don't understand the whole booing the star player after the historic season he had type of deal. I understand the fans have every right to be frustrated uh, with a player who's not playing well when they need him to play at his best the most. And and the postseason with the lights of the brightest judge really didn't play that great. The frustration is certainly understandable, but it's, I don't know. It's just an interesting thing. How can fans show their displeasure without... I'm all in favor of it. ...being... I don't know how to word it. It's strange. It's just a strange... It's, it's stupid. If you don't want to be booed, show up. Show up when it matters. Show up. I heard people start booing uh, Castellanos. Yeah, it, but... His playoffs. He's not Aaron Judge. No, he's not Aaron Judge. I don't care who you are. If you're getting swept in the championship series, that's embarrassing. The fans do not like that. And if you can't handle that they're upset and that they want to win... Sure, sign somewhere else. If I were a player, I'd want to. I would. I would want to play somewhere where the fans want to win as much as I do. I wouldn't want to play in Miami. I wouldn't want to play in. I don't know. It's another stupid city. Um, <laughs> I I have even more quotes that are uh, disheartening for Yankee fans. Yeah. Uh, keep going with the uh, the agent thing. Uh, even a difficult person and underperformer like Josh Donaldson was turned into a somewhat sympathetic figure internally by the force of the jeering. It goes on to say, now the clubhouse itself feels crushed under the weight of that brand, being the Yankees brand. More than I've ever seen, players don't want to be Yankees. The team needs to find a way to change the message and tone, though after all these years, doing so might be near impossible. Is That's incredible, especially that last part. Uh... You know, the Yankees are known as the most iconic brand in baseball. I mean, they've won the most championships of any team. It's not close. Uh, they have that just the history behind them, the greats who've played for the organizations, uh, from the DiMaggio's, the Mantles, all the way through and through. Roger Maris, uh, Aaron Judge playing now. I mean, Derek Cheater. I mean, there's so many names. Mariano Rivera. The list can go on with how many great Yankees there have been throughout the entire franchise's history. And now to hear that more now than ever, players don't want to be playing for the Yankees, it is looking like it might be a tumultuous time to be in the Yankees organization as the owner, Steinbrenner, uh, the GM, Cashman, Boone. I mean, what is going to go on? This could be a monumental offseason, especially if you're hearing that last part for the Yankees. Who's going to stay? Who's going to go? Personally, in my opinion, I think Judge is gone. Yeah, I he, uh, I th- I've thought he's gone since the All-Star break. I thought he was gone after they didn't get that deal done in spring training. I think that's ideally when they wanted to get things done. They were far apart. Now Judge, is, he's very mysterious. And the Giants came out and said yesterday that they're not going to be outbid for Aaron Judge. So the Judge sweepstakes are going to be very interesting. We know a lot of teams are going to be in there. The Dodgers' name will be thrown around a lot. The Mets, of course, and how much Cohen can spend. Gross. It's going to be, I don't know, it's going to be interesting to see how the Judge sweepstakes end up. But I do not think for one second he will be back in pinstripes next year. And that's going to be unfortunate because I thought he could really be a career Yankee. But I'm eyeing up Trey Turner. 
Phillies could, yeah, Phillies could get Trey Turner. I think you got the World Series to focus on first, though. <laughs> I think there's bigger fish to fry. Yeah, so they're they're just a little bit, you know. We but were I like, think a lot of we'll get to a series with Turner, but no, no, the time is now, Philadelphia. I think for Trey Turner, a lot of East suitors are going to be there. I think the Mets can certainly throw their name in that ring. Uh, the Phillies will be involved. Uh, maybe if Swanson goes, do we see Atlanta get involved? As gross as that would be, no. Dude, the Phillies have been linked to Turner for so long. There's no doubt in my mind the Phillies get him. Really? No doubt in my mind. Wow, that's bold. Come on. That's bold. Come on. I don't know about that. We got it. We got it. Give me Trey Turner. You'll have Turner and uh, Stott on your middle infield. That would be interesting. And well, then, uh, we do have to step aside, unfortunately, Mitch. Unfortunately, End of hour number one. When we come yep. back, wrapping up our MLB discussion and going into NFL right here on Heavy Hitters. Hour number two coming your way next on the radio voice of Kutztown University. Get you are. For hour number two of Heavy Hitters. I'm Mitchell Smedley, Patty and the Rats in the background, Jack Heim on the right, my right at least. Jack, we are discussing MLB, uh, trade, not trades, uh, free agency, World Series, everything, <coughs> uh, a future Phillies World <coughs> Series of 2022. Um, you know, going to have a parade. I'll be there for the parade. Um, we got NFL to talk about this hour. We got some NHL, some college football. So much to do. Uh, we're sticking with MLB, Jack. You got a, got any, any other notes there? Well, the Marlins did hire Skip Shoemaker, yes, the former Cardinal uh, player and Padres bench coach, I believe, as their new manager. So a new manager is making their way down to Miami. Don Mattingly, the long-time guy. Uh, mutually, they've, re- they've decided to part ways uh, towards the end of the season. Uh, interesting there. We'll see how uh, Shoemaker can make his development. I don't know if it's Shoemaker or Schumacher. I think it might be Mocker. I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, Skip. Going down to Miami. Let's see what impact he can make uh, next year as his first year at the helm of the Miami Marlins. What moves they will make. They have an interesting offseason ahead. Gross. That's, yeah, and I don't Gross. know. I don't know. They have a lot of good pitching, but that lineup is not NFC great. East, or, <laughs> I keep saying that. A- NL. NL. NL East. NL East is a powerhouse, aside from the Nationals. Yeah. Nationals how, by the way, NL. how is it inhabiting this division and watching the Nats and then an off year and then the Braves and then the Phillies now go to the World Series? Not going to lie, it hurts. It hurt me when it was just two of them. It's just like, I wonder when it's going to be the Mets time. That's just my biggest question. Will it ever be the Mets time? Will I ever get to see joy or will I just have to go through constant pain and suffering? Constant pain and suffering. Jeez. It's like that meme where it's just like they Photoshop like the, it's like the three kids in like the YouTube uh, thumbnail and it's just they, they put over, will the pain and suffering ever end? <laughs> Uh, but yeah. I mean, which one hurt the most so far? I mean, the Phillies haven't. It's not. I think it's got to be over. this year. I think you it's got to be this year because 2019, the Mets were they were round, but the Nationals, they were just a better team. They they were the better team. They went on that run. They won the World Series. 2021, the Mets were there. Then they fell off the face of the earth. The Braves took it. They went this year. It felt like it was the only year of those three that were the Mets actually had a shot. They made the playoffs. 101 wins. They had the opportunity in front of them. Marte, I think coming back from an injury, if we had him fully healthy, it would have been a could have been a different series, could have been a different story, but it's not the world we live in. Uh and yeah, man, it just hurts because I know that if we beat the Padres, we could have given the Dodgers a run for their money. I'm not saying we would have beaten them, but I'm saying it would have been a fun series and we could, and we we would have had a shot. We would have had a shot. And then if we played you guys, I mean if we played the Phillies, we had your guys' number all year. And Those that could are a certainly different team switch. right now, Jack. They, they are. are a different they are. animal right now. But that would have been a fun series. They're going to the World Series. That would have been, been fun. utter chaos on this show. Oh in my that god. Could you imagine? That would have been crazy sequence of 
heavy hitters episodes ever. Do you remember how tense it was when it was just a regular season game? Yeah. In it, this room? Yep. Mets won that, by the way. I was upset. I think you have the last laugh. Yeah, so. a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, well, just a little bit. We still got next year. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. The typical Mets saying, hey, there's always next year. There's so. always next year. But, but, but I, I tried to tell you the Mets were going to met. Finally, they happened. did not. Okay. They did not met. They did not met. They got outed in the wild card round after 101 wins. That's not metting. Metting would have been choking the division and missing the playoffs. That would have been metting. All right. All right. Fine. Wear your little Padres hat. Have no. Fun. Ew. <laughs> Never. Not until next year. It was on the Tough screen weeks. in our uh, KUR meeting. We got to see it. Yeah. Not not excited about that. I should change my side picture. A little so. bit. I, I would suggest that. Yeah. yeah I am. Don't worry. I'll, I'll Can you get a Stroh's hat? No, I don't have a Please do. Hat. Please do. We beat teams you have apparel of. So, well, I don't have Braves apparel, so. Good. Yeah, neither do I. Yeah, rightfully so. We hate the Braves. Yes, we do. Okay, moving on. We're going nice to NFL. We are discussing Monday Night Football, what was the Bears, Oof. taking down the Patriots in a stunner. We wow. both we both said on the Monday show zap, zap, zap. that Zap Zap Zappy Boy would uh, take down the uh Bears, that did not transpire, however. How did the Bears go from scoring, what, like five points against the Commanders? To 33. To 33 On the, the road Patriots. in New England. What is happening? This yeah. NFL is just... I don't remember an NFL where you just could not predict what's happening now, this much. a lot of it was aided by four Cairo Santos field goals for the Bears, so that's 12 points that's 12 right there. of 33 points. They got in the end of three times fields with a three-yard touchdown score. Khalil Herbert, a 25-yard pass. And yep. David Montgomery with a one-yard run for New England. Ramondre Stevenson won me my fantasy league by getting in the end zone. Ramondre, thank you. Jacoby Myers won me my fantasy and, league. Yep, I thought of Walk you immediately. Walk-off fashion. I, he didn't have a catch until almost the halftime. But the one catch he got, 30 yards for a score I needed two. I got, well, 10 and then 11 because he had another catch later on. But 10 points there. It's a walk-off touchdown. Mitchell Smedley is 6-1. and one. So am I. And I beat, Jack, I beat the guy in walk-off fashion that always sends me those bogus trade offers <laughs> that insults my intelligence week in and week out, and I did it without a defense. Fantastic job. Man. I beat him with eight players. Cheers to being 6-1, and one, buddy. Let's go. Cheers to being 6-1. and one. Man. Six and one. Let's go. Everyone went home happy Monday night. Yeah, except for the Patriots fans and the Patriots <laughs> players. <laughs> Zappy goes fourteen to twenty-two, one hundred eighty-five Yo. yards, one touchdown, two picks. Hi, Brandon. Hello. Brandon, did, what did, did you go? think of Monday Night Football? Uh, I don't watch football. Okay. Wow. Well, that <laughs> sums it up. You could have lied. You could have made okay. it up. Yeah, it's okay. I'd rather be honest. Rather yeah. be honest. Yeah. I, I watch hockey. Yes, you, you are a hockey, hockey guy. Hockey. Okay. Yes. We we can have you on the show next week. We'll have you on for a hockey talk. You should. We, well, we will. We will. Book it right now. Brandon Carney. Brandon, you got to watch the World Series. Nah, you don't have to do that. Phillies are in it, buddy. You like baseball? No. No? Why are you here? <laughs> wow. <laughs> that just occurred to me. Why are you in here? Ouch. That hurts. That I hurts. ask myself that a lot, too. Oh, okay. It's okay. Why am I here? Bye, Brandon. Thank Bye, you for Brandon. coming in and uh, starring on the show for Listen a little bit. Rock but, on the Radio. Fridays yes, at Rock four. on the Radio is fantastic. <laughs> Fridays at 4. And then Redneck Rush Hour on 5. Yeah, you don't have to listen to Rock on the Radio 4 to 5 p.m. That's the good stuff. The good stuff. <laughs> the good stuff. Yes, it is good stuff. One of our brightest shows here at KUR, Rock on the Radio. Many great things done by the host, Brandon Carnegie. Fantastic host, fantastic man. We have a message from the yeah. KUR Notebook. Attention, KU community. Curious about tarot? No. The LGBT... Oh, yes. <laughs> Do you mind? <laughs> we're... we're 
That didn't happen. That didn't Three, happen at two, all. one. From the KUR Notebook. Attention, KU community. Curious about tarot? The LGBTQ plus resource center is welcoming both seasoned and new folks to the tarot study group to discover more about the tarot deck. The tarot study group meets every Monday in October from 4 to 5 p.m. at the Boxwood House. Be sure to check out the deck. This message of community interest is brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University. K-U-R. We just gave out some conflicting messaging. We told people to listen to rock on the radio at Fridays 4 to 5, and then we're like, go to Tarot Fridays at 4 to 5. Do both! Do both. Head over to the meeting with your ear pods or whatever you got in. Ear pods? Ear pods. You know the, the wired Apple headphones? Yeah. Yeah, ear pods. I ear still pods? have a pair. I, I do as well. I have them in my bag right now, the lightning ear pods. I love those things. I think they're the most underrated headphones I've ever seen. Mitchell Smedley, most underrated headphones. They're so consistent, and they're decent, and they just work. I don't understand the If you do the thing, pods. and you do it right, <laughs> it works. It, it just works. Like, some headphones, like, I've, I've had, that, like, after a year or two, like, like, earbuds especially, they just, like, they get all disgusting, and, like, one ear's quieter than the other. Like, these headphones I'm wearing right now literally aren't playing in my right ear. Okay? But <laughs> Apple earpods have never... Let me down. Never let you down. Well, never except the ones I got from my dad, up. and those were, like, destroyed, but it's okay. Kubrick Astley? Never gonna give you up. Never, never gonna, gonna let you down. down. Never, never gonna, gonna run around and desert you. Unless I'm the Mets. Back to sports. Stop that right now. <laughs> well, they do. <laughs> Final give thoughts. Give you up and let you down. Final thoughts about Bears-Patriots. Man, we gotta get this back gonna together. Gonna make you cry? Just, yeah, they do. They have. They did, have. Okay, did you cry at any point this season? No. No? All right. No. Good job, buddy. Yeah. Staying strong. It's deeply, deeply Gotta... saddened, but not to the point of crying. No tears? I, th- I may have cried during an Aaron Nola start or two. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't cry. I'm a man. You're a man. I am 1776. <laughs> <laughs> Final thoughts on Bears pages before we get to week eight. My goodness, what has the show become? Justin Fields, 179, one touchdown, one pick. We mentioned that about his rushing score. David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert both found the end zone. Montgomery on the ground. Herbert threw the air. Darnell Mooney led the team with 53 yards through the air. Bears defense played pretty well, forcing a couple of turnovers. Bailey Zappi throws two picks. Mac Jones threw one before he got pulled. He went three of six, 13 yards, one interception. That is that now being awful. debated. That hit the Sky Camera wire for ESPN's coverage. What? Interesting. I don't think it did, but um, yeah. Interesting headlines breaking from this game. Patriots fall to three and four. Bears improve to three and four. Why is everyone three and four? The yeah. Bears are three and four. The Patriots, the Cardinals, the Bucks—like those are four very different teams. Yeah, and they're all three and, and four. And they're all three and four. And the Giants are six and one. The Giants and the oh, Eagles. Oh, what a are wonderful undefeated. world! What a wonderful world! What a wow! What a wonderful awful. World. <laughs> awful! What a wonderful <laughs> world! Wow, that was good job. Awful! Jack. Awful! Wow! Well, awful. we're going to week eight. Hey, I'm talking here, Mitch. We got to get our picks, man. Week eight. Let's we're do starting it. tomorrow night. Da, 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 da. Oh wait, no, it's Prime right Video. Music. I don't yeah. even know how it goes yet. Yeah, it's dumb, probably. I, I enjoy the Prime Video music. I'd have to hear it to remember it, but I know that I like it. That's the NFL Network one, I think. No, it's similar, but it's different, because the NFL Network one has bells. Yeah. All right, let's do this thing. ravens Bucks. Thursday Night Football. Ravens open up as a one-point favorite on the road in Tampa Bay. Four and three Ravens, three and four Buccaneers. You mentioned how they're one of the three and four teams. Yeah. And they're very different from those other teams you mentioned. Stop signs, beware Thursday night. <laughs> what, what are you expecting for this one, Mitch? Oh, man. I I can't get the taste of last week out of my mouth. To lose that bad to the Panthers? Come on, Bucks. 
What is happening? Brady? Do we see just, a bounce back? No! Brady just looks awful. That he whole looks team looks terrible. Awful. That offense looks out of whack. It's just disjointed. He's I mean, there's no cohesion. Awful. There's no cohesion. The offensive line isn't good. Brady does not look like Brady. Uh, Leonard Fournette can't get any any momentum going on the ground. And then the wide receivers, man. Mike Evans dropping passes wide open down the middle of the field. I mean, we don't talk about it. I mean, it's yeah for your fantasy team. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I I still won. He still got me like 18. 19 By the points. way, that scandal we mentioned on Monday with him signing the thing for the refs that was cleared up. He was actually giving uh, a ref his phone number because of, <laughs> that's for, not much better for golf lessons. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, uh, for the golf. ref oh. is a friend who teaches oh, golf we lessons. Oh, so Match.com. That's here. what I saw on Twitter. So interesting, interesting. Uh, ref can still use it as an breaks. autograph. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you do have Mike Evans' <laughs> if, phone number. That's dude, pretty epic. Next time the ref gets upset with uh, with Evans, he can just put his number on blast. Or if they exchange numbers for the golf lessons, next time there's a bad call by that ref, Evans can put him on blast. <laughs> hey, man, what's the deal with that call, man? Hey, hey, walks up holding his phone number. Hey, it would be terrible if Twitter saw this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe we should call some PI there. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, who, who's your pick for this game, Mitch? Ravens by a lot. Ravens by a lot? I'm yes. going to join you. Ravens win... Uh, I'm not going to say by a lot, but the Ravens do win. Lamar Jackson and company go down to Tampa Bay to win. I need Mark Andrews to reinvent himself after last week. We're going to get this out of the way early. Battle of PA, Steelers-Eagles at the link. Oh, yeah! Phillies favored by 11, 2-5 Pittsburgh, 6-0 Eagles. Kenny Pickett and company, they come rolling in to the link. And they're going to be rolling out 2-6. Yeah, I knew that Because this is going to be an utter beatdown. Eagles cover. It's not close. My, oh, my. This is going to get ugly, and if all goes according to plan. So I may be heading home for Saturday night to watch the World Series. Not sure yet, but I should be back Sunday to watch the Eagles Steelers with a Steelers roommate of mine. So Score prediction for me, Eagles win. They don't cover. Steelers cover. Eagles win 30-21. to 21. You think the Steelers are getting 21 points? Yes. Off this defense? Mm-hmm. It's a very good defense, Jack, and it's a very bad offense. Yeah, garbage that time That usually stuff. doesn't yield 21 points. Garbage time stuff happens. No, we still dominated garbage time. Nah, I think the Eagles' second quarter is good, but the second half, they look a little lackluster. They had a bye week. They cleared it up. So. It's all figured out. Don't e- worry Eagle, about it. Eagles win, Steelers cover. And then we got Eagles Thursday night. Oh, that. no. There was a 9-30 game I missed. Oh, we did miss that. Oh, wait. Oh, this That's is a surefire win. This is a surefire win. Is this in London? Yeah. Oh, it's in London. It's over. It's over. I know. Is it Denver? Picking. Yep. And the team that owns London, the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> Jacksonville favored by two and a half. I think the Jags are like nine and one London games, something like that. They played an absurd amount of games Eagles there. Eagles beat them. They beat them in, ja- in London. Well, 2018. Jags here by two and a half. Nathaniel Hackett, there have been questions about his job security, especially with the result of this game. If the Jags win, I think he might be gone. Give me Jacksonville to win. Jags to cover. Give me Dougie P. Two and oh in London. All right. There we go. Panthers, Falcons, Oof. NFC South, another rough one. This division's Oof. awful. This, this division's this awful. This is not good football. Are the, Falcons. Are the Falcons three and four as well? Yes, they are. <laughs> four and a half point favorites are Atlanta at home. Marcus Mariota That's and it? company get ready to go to battle. P.J. Walker, I was about to say Baker Mayfield. It's not Baker Mayfield. No, P.J. Walker, Deonta Foreman, and Chuba Hubbard get ready to go in Atlanta. Can the Panthers' new regime of offensive, I'm not going to call them stars, but I'm going to call them offensive players. Still got D.J. Moore. And D.J. Moore, yes. And can't forget about him. He's still the one shining light in this offense. But, <laughs> and Foreman put up 100-plus yards last week. So you Foreman know. looks okay, yeah. 
Hubbard looks decent too. Hubbard got so. hurt, didn't he? Mitch knows Hubbard's family. Apparently. <laughs> Supposedly. <laughs> Apparently. Not I confirmed. Ran into them. Not no, confirmed. it's an unconfirmed story that I I was sitting the, a row in front of them at uh, Bank of America Stadium. So interesting. Yeah. Falcons and Panthers. Touchdown! Touchdown! Woo! 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 Oh my goodness. <laughs> Who are you going no, with? first down, first. <laughs> I'm, I'm going with I'm going with Atlanta. I'm going with Atlanta so hard here, man. Atlanta double digits. Actually, you know, I won't say double digits. Panthers they, cover. Panthers. The Falcons are bad too. It's a field goal game. Yeah. 27-24. Man. Yeah, I, I guess it's like a I'll go 20-17. The most occurring NFL score in history. Oh, this pains me. Cowboys Bears. The Cowboys Bears. at home. They're favored by my, the nine and a half. Dak, second week back. They're, he's going to throw it more. CeeDee Lamb's going to have a big week. Tony Pollard and Zeke will have good games on the ground. Cowboys to win. Cowboys to cover. That pains me to say. I don't even want to break this game this down. This game, it sucks. I mean, yeah, Dak's another week back. And, uh, I mean, the, the rushers. Is something wrong with Zeke? I don't know. But Pollard is good no matter what. Pollard should be the starter on that team no matter what. But, uh, yeah. What's the line on it? Nine and a half. Nine and a half. Cowboys favor. I don't think the Cowboys cover... I don't think the Cowboys win. Upset of the week. Chicago off their Monday night. Crushing of the Patriots. Two in a row. They beat them Cowboys. I was not expecting you to be that loud. So when I did, it like kind of stunned me <laughs> in my headphones. I was like, whoa, that's loud. Um, but yes, Bears, I'm going to start upset of the week. Give me the Bears. Well, with that being said, we are going to have to take our first break in hour number two. <laughs> the with Bears. Mitch's emphatic upset of the week with Chicago. When we come back, we are going to give our week eight picks further here on Heavy Hitters right here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. And welcome back to Heavy Hitters, everybody, right here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR, Kutztown. Hour number two, getting right back in our NFL picks with the Thursday night football intro music in the background. Ladies and gentlemen, we're getting right back into it here yeah. on Heavy Hitters. Oh, I forgot how loud it gets. <laughs> <laughs> this song is great. Come it on. It is a good song. Yes. It is a good song. You and I, didn't we both not like it when it first dropped? Yes. But then, dude, when that first time it hit on actual, like, on the actual game, I was like, this is it right here. I love it. I love that song. Right here. Love that. Much better than CBS Sports. Really? The only good part of that is when it goes. The best one's NBC. I if I were in like the MLB, that would be my walk-up music. Interesting. Well, next game in Detroit, the one and five Lions taking on the four and three Dolphins. Dolphins undefeated this year when Tua is starting. And is not dealing with concussion symptoms. I'm going to go with the Dolphins here. And the Dolphins win big time. Waddle, Hill, they both go crazy. Dolphins win Waddle, they do. (laughs) (laughs) That was bad. What are you thinking? Like three touchdowns between the two of them? Yeah. 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 Hey, I have Tyreek Hill in our KUR fantasy league. It's going to be huge. Uh, Give me the Dolphins. The Dolphins. Yeah, I think Tua being back healthy is... uh, it's just a different team. It's just a different team. So, give me the Dolphins pretty comfortably. The Lions are terrible. I just watched, actually, the highlights of the Blizzard Bowl, Eagles-Lions. I forgot how awesome LaShawn McCoy was that game. Yeah, he was incredible. He was awesome. 
Oh, man. Nick he Foles. was nuts. That was like the first pick he threw all season, and it was in like late November. <laughs> it was crazy. Man. All right. Anyways, moving on. Okay. Uh, we are going to Minnesota Cardinals and Vikings. Mitch, one of your favorite teams, oh, Arizona. Oh, baby. Three and four, five and one. Minnesota favored by three and a half. I'm not going to waste too much time here. I'm going with the Vikings. The Vikings win. It is a tight game. Vikings win. DeAndre Hopkins gets over 80 yards and gets into the end zone for his first oh, touchdown now, of the year. Now, okay. I like the matchup better this week. Um, but for the for the Vikings, man, Jay Jettis goes crazy. He does it again. Dalvin Cook gets in the end zone. Vikings win. Justin 30. Jefferson just got traded in my fantasy league, by the way. Wow. I'll pull up the details, but I think he got fleeced. Yeah. It was like Damian Pierce and I think Godwin. Ew, what's for this Jefferson? Disgusting. Maybe nah, maybe it was something else. I'll look it up. From that sound, it's gross. But anyway, Vikings win in a tight one. What about you? Oh, you gonna go with your your team oh, to go to four man. and four? Do they fall to three and five? Ugh. My gut tells me they fall to three and five. So I'm gonna align with you. However, 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 I just have a feeling that this is like a big game for them with Hopkins' first week being like fully, fully back. You know what I mean? Like he had the one week to kind of get acclimated. I don't know. This is an interesting one for me. Something tells me the Vikings lose. But give me the Vikes. Okay, well, Mitch goes with Minnesota against his inner will to pick the Cardinals. The Cardinals. See how that works out. Raiders, Saints the in Raiders. New Orleans. I know who you're pulling for, Mitch, because the Eagles had the Saints pick. Two and five Saints, two and four Raiders. Who takes the cake in this Wait, one? Wait, the Raiders really only have two wins? Yep. Uh, like Houston, winning all year. Houston and... Oh. Last week. Uh, yeah, it was Houston that last was Houston. week. Sorry. They beat, uh, did they beat the Chargers? No. Broncos. Broncos. That's right. <laughs> um, man, I'm pulling for the, the Raiders in a, for a couple different reasons here. I have Josh Jacobs on my fantasy team. He's gotten 30-plus points the last three weeks. People continue trying to trade for him. Uh, it's just not going to happen. But, uh. I also have Michael Thomas. He's coming back from injury. That's a piece of this puzzle. Man, I this is like a really toss-up game for me. I think these teams are exactly the same. Line favors Vegas by one and a half. That Vegas by, well, it's a Vegas line. It's a homer line right there. A little bit. Oh, man, I don't know. Give me, just because it's fun to say, the Raiders. All righty. Mitch goes Devontae Adams and the Raiders. I will differ. I will go with the Saints at home to win this one. I like the matchup. Uh, Raiders team has kind of been skidding. They won over Houston, but it wasn't really the cleanest of games. Give me the Saints to win and a bounce back at home. They take down the Raiders. They go to three and five with no the win. No. Stay no. down. Stay down. Give me that top five pick. <laughs> what? What are you laughing at? I don't know. That was just funny. Give me all funny. of your... <laughs> Stop laughing. <laughs> Good old Man Ray. Ah, <laughs> oh, Man Ray. Man Ray! <laughs> I'm free! <laughs> <laughs> Jets, Patriots in the Meadowlands. New oh, England boy. favored by one and a half. We don't know who the starting quarterback is. Is it Zappy? Is it Jones? It That's doesn't to be decided. matter. The Jets dealing with a couple injuries. Brees Hall and Elijah Vera Tucker, one of the star for the linemen, done for the year. Key losses at both spots there. Jets 5-2, and two, New England 3-4. and four. Who do you got in this one, Mitch? The Jets... This is weird. Six and two. This is so odd. Six and two, really? I, I mean, I could, I'm go see with the, the I could see the Patriots. It's a divisional game. Belichick knows what he's doing, but 
I don't like what I saw Monday night. I don't either, but I'm going to ride with the gut check here. I'm going with the Patriots in a bounce back. Okay. They go to 4-4. Four and four. That's a good – I like that pick. I'm I just saying. Just gotta go. I just got to go with the universe tells me. Universe tells me J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. 6-2. That bit. would be fascinating. Yeah. Divisional matchup, we're going to keep it there. 405, Titans, Texans in Houston. Not going to waste too much time. Derrick Henry has absolutely run all over Houston every time he's played them, especially in Houston. Uh, Titans win. They win big. Uh, t- Henry finds the end zone twice. Tannehill throws a pair of passing touchdowns. It's a route. Give me uh, Tennessee. They even get on the board with a defensive score, two pick six on Davis Mills. 35-10, to 10, Tennessee wins. Yeah, this is going to be a, a bit of an issue on General Mills there. <laughs> this is... <laughs> It's not going to be good for Houston. <laughs> he's so bad. Hey, he's over 300 yards last week. No, stop it. Davis Mills, star quarterback? No, be quiet. I don't want to hear it. He's so bad. I should get you a Davis Mills shirt. I would I would burn it, probably. Wow. It's really? So, I mean, or use it as a doormat. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. He's not a good quarterback. Who's your least favorite player in the it NFL? It might be Davis Mills. I know. I think he's got to be top three. He's, nah, I don't know. It's not that I don't like him. I just don't know why he's in the league. Like, I, I had the same thing. You know who he exactly is? He is Drew Locke. Do you no. remember that guy? No, he's better than Drew Locke. No, he's not. He reminds me of, like, Sam Bradford. He's much worse than Sam Bradford. Who are my least favorite players in the league? I'd have to think about this one. He reminds me of Austin Eckler. Post-injury Sam Bradford. Austin Eckler. Okay, sweet. I'll get you Austin Eckler. My least favorite. Like, just surveying the league from a distance. I mean, I hate Tom Brady. Um, I I feel bad for him now, though. Uh, (laughs) Who else? I I hate all the Cowboys. Yeah, that's understandable. Um, No minus. Who? Carson Wentz. Why? No, not really. Not really. (laughs) I just wanted to say that, too, to puzzle you. <laughs> I don't know who mine is. I'll have to think about it. Well, we're going to go do 425 slate games. Colts, Commanders, Indy favored by three at home. And you know what? With Sam Ellinger starting, it is not new beginnings for the Colts. I'm going with Washington. This is my upset of the week. I know it's not a big line, but there's you not really Taylor that many Heineke big lines this week. I And Heineke, I trust Commanders to win on the road in a stunner. They get to four and four. Whew. Talk about a game where I have no idea what's going to happen. I have... Zero clue what's going. Wait, did you say four and four? Yes. They're three and four. Yep. <laughs> what is happening? Three and four. Why is everyone three and four? I have no clue what's going to transpire in this game. I'm. Oh god. Um. <laughs> oh god. Oh, that is not right. Uh, just to differ with Jack and trust the line, I'll go with the Colts. Okay. 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 Six and one Giants. Four and three Seahawks in Seattle. Seattle favored by three. I thought the Giants were going to lose it last week. I picked the Giants to win. They almost lost. I'm like, man, i got to start picking against the Giants again if they want to win. But they held on. They beat Jacksonville on the road. They're at Seattle. I like the matchup. Give me the New York football Giants 7-1. and one. Come on now. This doesn't sound right. Um, Metcalf playing question mark? Wants to practice? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Just traded for him. I think he probably will not play this week. I, I wouldn't think week. he plays this week. And that's huge. That is big. If he doesn't play, give me the Seahawks. If he does, or no, if, if he, he doesn't does play, play, give me the Giants. If he does play, give me the Hawks. Well, with the uncertainty right now, who are you picking? Oh, man. Oh, it's man. your time to pick, Mitch. You got to do it now. Oh, I know. It's now I know. or never. It is now or never. The Giants are a puzzling team. They are doing all of this with nobodies, with the exception of, of uh, not Ezekiel Elliott, <laughs> Saquon <laughs> Barkley. Uh, I 
don't trust their defense. Geno Smith has been having a career year here. And <laughs> like, I know where you're going with this. What is going on? Um, the, I mean, they're doing it with nobody's Jack. They can't be seven and one. That's not allowed. That's not allowed. Well, you said six and one's not allowed, and here they are. But they're not allowed. Okay, seven and one is like, no, this is this is ridiculous. Uh, I think. Um, what are you getting a little sweaty over there? I, I'm getting very nervous. You getting a little nervous? Because it's not a lock that the Eagles have the division yet, and they're undefeated, and that's not fair. But uh, I think. Geno Smith is the eliminate so the Daniel Jones in Nator, like I said on Monday's show. <laughs> and why are you sweating so much? And why are you so nervous? <laughs> you like Krabby Patties, don't you, Squidward? <laughs> yes, I love Krabby Patties. <laughs> <laughs> that that's what you like. That that scene reminded me of like, are you nervous over there? A little bit. <laughs> and why are you sweating so much? And why are you so nervous? I'm not nervous. Gino Smith for the win fires the eliminate Daniel Jones in Etor and takes over the entire tri-state area. That was a horrible. My throat is a mess right now today. Pardon my voice, but uh, give me the Seahawks, DK or not. All right, 49ers Rams NFC West showdown. Oh. These teams met once on Monday night. It went the Niners way as does it has it go, was like seven. Does it go the Niners way again this time in LA, or do we see a ba- do we see a bounce back from McVay's group and do the Rams win? Niners are favored by a one and a half in this matchup. Woo! Well, the expanded role of Christian McCaffrey I think is a big deal. Uh, I think the Rams are just a bad team at this point. I think the 49ers have the better defense. Um, I think Debo and Ayuk wake up a little bit here. Um, I I trust the Niners. I think they're one of the top three teams in the in the conference. Give me the Niners over the Rams. Okay. To defer with Mitch, Cooper Cup goes ballistic. Uh, Daryl Henderson gets a couple rushing scores. Oh, he's R- on my bench. Rams win, and they win by three. What's the Cam Akers situation, by the way? I have no idea. It's, it's so just, confusing. It's like he plays, he doesn't play, character issues, work ethic, practicing not hard enough, I guess. I don't know. Just be- all of that is speculation, by the way. Going to um, trade him somewhere? Maybe. I don't know. Who's going to want him? I know. Uh, the way he's been playing. So I have no idea what's going on with Akers. Henderson, I guess, is taking the lead role. Uh, interesting. This backfield is a mess. Sorry for anyone that picked Cam Akers, but and I, by the I way, knew it was a bad pick. By the way, the reason, you know why the 49ers had to give up so many picks to get McCaffrey? You thought that was so, they didn't give up a single first rounder. I know, I know, I know. But they had to give up, they would have had to give up less. The Rams were driving up that price. That's why they had to part ways with four picks. Wow. The Rams kept driving it up because they rarely wanted McCaffrey because of the whole acre situation. Interesting. Niners on the sweepstakes, they had to give up four picks. They probably would have had to give up less if the Rams weren't that much in the race. Wow. Interesting. Those teams play each other this week. Can McCaffrey make the Rams pay? <laughs> we'll see. Hopefully. I'm going Rams, but I do it's like It's so the weird, like having a rooting interest in Niners games now. Yeah. Weird favorite player there. Well, Bills Packers Sunday night, not going to waste much time. Bills favored by 11.5. They will trounce the Packers. The Packers just do not have the quality of team to go up to Buffalo, to go to Buffalo, excuse me, and play and give the Bills a run for their money. They just don't have the receivers. The defense isn't all that great. Uh, give, me the be- give me the Bills. I was going to say the Bears, but give me the Bills to win in a big one. I already took the Bears. I'm also taking the Bills. They're going to, I mean, they just show up on primetime time and time again. This isn't going to be close. This will be a laugher on Monday night. I won't uh, even be watching it because there will be World Series action going on. Give me the bills. Josh Final game. Allen. Actually, no, we'll save this for Monday. We're not going to do it. Uh, we'll, we'll get our picks now, actually, but we will preview this one uh, on the Monday on the Monday show next week. Yes. Oh, I thought that one was the uh, 
I thought you said that was Monday night. Oh, Sunday night, I meant. Sorry. Oh, Bill's Packers, oh Sunday never mind. Night. Okay, Sorry. yeah. And I will be watching it, I guess. I don't know. It's going to get so, ugly, probably. Yeah. I'll watch. I'll Monday night game is Bengals-Browns. Uh, Bengals favored by three and a half uh, on the road in Cleveland. Battle of Ohio. I'm going with the Bengals. Who are you going with? Joe Burrow, building off his huge week last week against Atlanta. Yeah, the week after I traded him. Yeah. <laughs> he has another big one. Yeah, he has another big one. I think uh, I don't think the benefits of my trade start to show until a little bit later. Give me Burrow to continue his little run here in the midseason before it, before the wheels fall off toward the end. Give me the Bengals. Over the... The, uh, the Bengals. The run-heavy uh, Browns. Yeah. I think the styles clash, but we'll preview that on the Monday show in depth yep. a little bit more. Uh, so those are our picks. Uh, should be a fun week. A lot more games, I feel like, this week than there were last week. Uh, just because of the... Think Same amount, a lot of I teams think. No, nah, I think a lot of teams had bye weeks last week. So I think a few like, key teams, like the Eagles, yeah, Rams did. Yeah, Bills did last week. So mm-hmm. <laughs> That sound was funny. It, dude, I thought it was a quiet water bottle. It was not a quiet noise. water bottle. It sounded like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say that. Uh, it was a water bottle, folks. I know what it sounded like. <laughs> This thing has never let me down yet on this show. Okay, yeah, it's the first sip. Some air gets in the uh, in the lid here. You see this mechanism? Yes. Yeah, and uh, you know we got like a, a tubing system here, and I, I love how I'm trying to show this off. No one can see because it's radio. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you just gotta. So you see here, yeah. as you can see. Well, you guys can see just as much as me right now. So. <laughs> okay, Mitch. I'm gonna ask you. I know. Who? Okay, so you asked your least favorite players, and yeah. Favorite non-Eagles players outside of McCaffrey? Outside of McCaffrey. Ooh. Man, oh man, do I love watching Josh Allen. And Travis Kelsey. And if I had to go at top three, oh man. I mean, when he's on, when he is on, on, Saquon Barkley is just mesmerizing. Those, those would probably be my top three. Interesting. I I love Josh Allen too. Watching Josh Allen play the game of it's football, it's just magical. It, it really is. It's just the way he plays the game is just so eye catching. It really just stands out to even it's beautiful the common fan. Really, like even if you're not like a diehard NFL person, like if you could just watch the sit down and watch the television and watch Josh Allen play, he'll just truck people. He will mesmerize you with the ability. He can throw it seventy yards down the field, or he can also bulldoze you in open space. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like. He is just phenomenal. He is phenomenal. He's such an easy guy to pull for. Yes. He plays for a team that's easy to root for as well in Buffalo, a city that's been starved of a championship for so long with the pain they endured in the 90s. Oh. It's just, it would be, honestly, I think, a universal uh, root, root for Buffalo, unless they were to play the Eagles in this yes. town. Yeah. But if the Bills were in the Super Bowl, Bills so many Eagles people would root for Bills have such respect for each other. Like the, for each the two other. fan bases, like, they're very similar, actually. Like, the... You know, it's a cold environment. Everyone's angry. And uh, just very violent fan bases, very passionate fan bases. I think Buffalo's a little colder than here. Yeah, it's a little colder. A little bit. Yeah. Just, just a, little a little bit. bit. You know, but everyone's everyone's upset. And, uh, you know, they let their players hear it. But they also don't shut up when they're winning, which is awesome. And they're both winning. The, the main season. difference is Philly it. fans are, how do I say this, radio eligibly. Um, they're not the kindest of folks. Well, I don't think I've the heard, Bills fans are either, which no, is awesome. I've, I've heard Bills fans are, they're very passionate and they do crazy things, but they don't berate other fan bases, like other visiting fans. Come like on, Eagle get on our do. level. Why aren't you doing that? It's a beautiful time. No, you know? no, unless it's warranted. Unless they're like acting completely out of line, then you can 
bash them. Like if you're if you're like a numbskull Cowboys fan strolling yeah. into the link acting like a doofus, then you deserve to get a little bit chewed out. But yeah. in terms of you're just standing there minding your own business, there should be no reason why you're getting scolded at by a pack of Eagles fans. <laughs> so a wild pack of Eagles. Fans. A wild pack of Eagles fans approaches the Cowboys fan. Look at them in their natural habitat. It's like a national Lincoln geographic financial field. It's like a National Geographic where it's like talking about like the animals in the in the, in the safari. They approach the cowboy supporters, ready to pounce. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> that is. <laughs> Hear their mating call. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. That's amazing. With that, that, we got to make a sweeper out of with that. With that, <laughs> maybe for that, that's a that's a possible one. With that, we do have to take our final break of today's show. Though, when we come back, we will get into our NHL discussion and a brief college football week nine breakdown to wrap up today's edition of Heavy Hitters right here on the Radio Voice of Kutztown University KUR. Stay with us, and welcome back to Heavy Hitters, everybody, right here on the Radio Voice of Kutztown University KUR Kutztown. We finished up our NFL discussion right before the break, but Mitch and I will now get into our NHL discussion. There we go. There we go. And you are clearly Mitch, so we're going to keep going with that. Nice to meet you. Nice to I'm meet Mitchell you. Smedley. Hi, Mitchell Smedley, who is obviously Mitchell Smedley. Um, a lot of big games tonight. Islanders, Rangers on TNT. Uh, I'm a big Isles guy, so uh, let's go Islanders. Out of my way, <laughs> fools. And the real Mitchell Smedley has returned, so so and oh faux Mitchell Smedley is... is Maybe gone. I have to. I have to go. But thank you so much. Um, thank you for being Mitchell on the show. Mitchell Smedley signing out. Thank you for being Mitchell Smedley oh until my. Mitchell Smedley returns. That's terrible. Also, my headphones are unplugged. That's now. not terrible. I've been replaced two times in three weeks. It's okay. I'm expendable. Mitch, you can never be replaced. That's what not your an adjective brings. I want associated with my brand. I'm trying to give you your cord. Oh, are you? Oh, yes. I'm, I'm feeling my way down the court. It's okay. Well, I we can it. do that. It's all sorted out. NHL under control. Ready? Ready? Boo! There we go. <laughs> so chaotic. It is. You it know, is. Never a dull you, moment. When you gotta go, Jack. You know. You just... When you gotta go, you gotta go. Well, <laughs> we are gonna go through our key teams. Through. I mean, it's only been seven games. Not even. Not every team has played seven games. Mostly six or seven. Uh, the minimal have played six. The most have played eight. But uh. So far, early thoughts, man. Boston has looked dominant. Six and one. They beat Dallas three to one last night. Uh, powered by a beautiful David Pasternak goal. I mean, he rips it on the on the power no play. No such thing. No such thing as a beautiful David Pasternak. I hate that man. Really? I don't like him. He ripped it home. I mean, one timer, top shelf on the power play. It was a beauty. It was an absolute beauty. Uh, beautiful feed from Campus Lindholm. Bruins. Bruins are six and one through twelve games. They're missing Marshand, McAvoy, and um, two other guys. I can't stand Mac Rizlick. Uh, so they're missing three three key guys, and they're six and one. It's incredible what Boston's doing so far through the first seven games of the year. They're playing clean hockey. Uh, Swayman and Olmark holding it down back in net. Boston's playing really well. They are off to a fantastic start. Florida four two and one. They fell four two to Chicago last night. Patrick Kane registered his first goal of the year for Chicago. Uh, speaking of Blackhawks, they're four and two as well. Wow. Uh, so they're off to a lot better of a start than a lot of people would have thought. Uh, people. Uh, you know, a lot of people thought going into the season that Chicago might be the worst team in all of hockey. Uh, but so far, through six teams, they're four and two. Patrick Kane, a two point night last night, goal and assist, and Jonathan Taze nets the empty netter for his third goal of the year. They beat they beat the Cats at home four to two. Panthers surge late, a couple of goals from Lusterainen, and I believe Montour got it from the point. Uh, might have been redirected, but I think Montour got the credit. Uh, let me double check. Scrolling, scrolling, and no, Kachuk got the redirect. He uh, jumps, was right. and he got it! <laughs> he pulled it right out of the bushes! Do you know what I'm talking about? 
No. When Odubel Herrera robbed Freddie oh, Freeman of a yes, home run. Yes. That's one of my favorite Tom McCarthy calls ever. He jumps and he got it. Just the scream. Oh, gosh. It's incredible. I try to turn away from the mic when I do something like yeah. that. It doesn't usually work. And it never hurts. Okay. It never hurts. Well, um, we're going to keep it. We're going to keep it in the East. We were talking about Florida. Um, we're going to keep it in Florida. How about Tampa? I mean, through seven games, three and four, they are missing some people with injuries. Everyone's three and four. Eric, yeah, everyone's three and four. Eric <laughs> Chernak, uh, key defenseman injured for Tampa Bay uh, early on, so we don't know when to expect him to be back, but uh, he's a big piece missing for Tampa right now. The Bulls just don't look like the same team they were the past couple of years. Lost 4-2 last night out in L.A. The Kings... Um, they can score goals, but they cannot play very solid defense so <laughs> yeah. far in the early going. The Kings are that, like, just, they're trying to be the Phillies of hockey. Good offense, can't play defense. <laughs> I mean, I always think back to the, the one period of Kings hockey I've watched this season, which is that uh, third period against the Golden Knights. <laughs> My goodness. Every time they tied it, a minute later, and they score! <laughs> I just love the guy that sounds exasperated whenever anyone scores. They score! John Forsland? Oh, my yes. Yes, John Forsland. Huh? What a guy. Yeah, <laughs> Philip Deneau scored his fourth goal of the year to start the scoring for the Kings in a absolute scrum in front of the net. Uh, it was loose. He taps at home. Gabe Velarde scores his fifth of the year for L.A. on the power play. Brant Clark with a beautiful assist to set up Blake Lizotte for their goal. And uh, Adrian Kempe made a 4-1 before Lee Kucherov goal. Got the lightning a little bit closer, but to no avail. They win 4-2, does L.A. They go to early in the year. Now 4-4 four and four through the first eight games. They hold okay. the first wild card. This means so little so early. Yeah. But, uh, Only got about, uh, you know, 74 Close to, to 90% of the season left. 74 so, left there. Coyotes take down the jacket 6-3 last night. The former flyer, Shane Gossisbear, registers a couple of goals. Stuck up on him. He's got four goals already for the Coyotes. Yeah. So, I love Shane Gossisbear, by the way. Is Gossisbear back? Great player. I think the Phillies give up on him, honestly. But yes. They should have kept him. Yes, it's I absolutely like a bad move. agree. It's looking like a bad move. Well, that's the story of the last few years for the Flyers. They can't make good moves. No, they can't. Nothing works. Oscar Lindblom was not happy to be back, by the way. Uh, uh, was, we're not happy to have him back, by the way. Uh, he was uh, very, seemed disgruntled with Chuck Fletcher. Staring through the soul of him <laughs> in the Sharks' return uh, last week. So that was interesting. Speaking of San Jose, not good uh, so far. They lost 4-2 last night to Vegas. Phil Kessel, uh, two milestones last night, scored yeah. his 400th career goal and breaks Keith Yando's Ironman Iron streak. 990th consecutive game oh, yeah. played by oh, Phil Kessel. Man. That streaks all the way back to 2009. So Phil Kessel, congratulations, congratulations to you for multiple buddy. accolades slash milestones. Good for him. Speaking of Vegas, they're off to a fantastic start. Six and two through their first eight games of the year. Hold the Pacific Division lead right now. Again, it means so little so early in the year. But uh, it's always better to start hot than start slow. So uh, Vegas, there you go. Uh, Keep on cooking. We're going to go Calgary. Last night they take down the Penguins, one of your most hated teams, Mitchell. I can't stand them. I I hate them. Four to one for the Flames win. Nazem Kadri, the big signing in the offseason. He scored two goals last night. He has four in the early parts of the year, Jonathan Huberdo on the big offseason trade between the Flames and the Panthers. Excuse me, I don't know why I stumbled with that. That sent Matt Kachuk down to Sunrise, Florida. Sent Huberdo, Uyghur, a prospect, and I believe a draft pick, all to Calgary. Huberdo and Uyghur both signed long-term extensions to stay with Calgary. Huberdo scores his first goal as a Flame last night in the power play. Nazem Kadri also has five assists, so he's nine points in their first six games. Malkin scored a power play goal before uh, Michael Stone uh, made it 4-1. Flames and the Slammed the door shut on Casey DeSmith 
and the Penguins. 5-1 and one start. Calgary looking just as good as they were last year. Seattle Kraken, they look like a bit of an improved team through yeah. the first eight games, 3-3-2. Three, three, and two. Pretty average, but they were pretty abysmal last year, so improved things there. To Youngster. be expected from an expansion team. Exactly. Well, Vegas went to the cup final okay, their first Vegas year. Is but they took anomaly. a different approach. Yeah. You know, Vegas is more aggressive in the uh, expansion draft process where, you know, Seattle's played the the long game. You know, they took it slow. I have a lot of cap days trying to build up the prospect pool. Uh, you know, more sustainable success. Not that Vegas hasn't been sustainably good. They've been good for a while, but yep. just Ever a different since approach. They came into the league. Uh, a different approach. They're just trying to build it a different sort of way. Matty Benier, six points in his first eight games. He was the number two overall draft pick in the 2021 draft, just 19 years of age. So he's looking pretty good. He scored a goal last night uh, that made it 5-1 to one his third of the year. That was on the power play. Jared McCann, also the former Penguin, added a power play goal. Dylan Cousins scored for Buffalo. They're off to a good start as well. Morgan Geeky got sprung on a beautiful stretch pass from Brandon Tanev, another former Penn, uh, to net it past uh, excuse me, uh, Eric Comrie. Uh, and then Jamie Alexiak scored. So Kraken scored five goals and 24 shots. Opportunistic night for Seattle. Game of the night last night, though. Avalanche take down the Rangers 3-2 in a shootout. Alexander Georgiev, the starting goaltender for Colorado, the former Ranger, goes back to the Garden and gets a win against his former team. He was so pumped up by that. Uh, the em- emphatic celebration after the final save on Lafreniere to end the shootout. Pumping his fist, hugging Evan Rodriguez, who absolutely undressed uh, Igor Shesterkin. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Dragged him on the forehand, or on the backhand. Cut back to the forehand and tucked it in, uh, absolutely shattering in his ankles. It was fantastic. What a goal, uh, and especially this guy who does not like the Rangers. Fantastic goal for Rodriguez. Another thing Aslan, we can agree on. 3-2 in the shootout. But we do have a quick message from the KUR note. But attention, KU community. Did you know that KU faculty and staff members can join KUR? Contact KUR at kutztown.edu to express your interest in joining. You can also call 610-683-4059 or stop by rooms 188 or 190 in the McFarland Student Union Building. Finally, check out our Instagram for information about our meetings. Instagram page is at KUR1670. Check out our page for more info about our meetings. This message is brought to you by the Radio Voice of Kutztown University. KUR, welcome back to Aviator's final segment of today's show. We're going to have a lot shorter of a college football discussion than we have in past weeks because there was more to talk about in the MLB side of things of the World Series, uh, NFL, and of course the NHL. NHL you know, is more in news, full swing now. There's more news brewing there. Devils took down the Red Wings last night 6-2. Big game for New Jersey. Nico Heischer was talking about in the postgame how this is the kind of brand of hockey the Devils want to play. Uh, they want to get up, uh, get out quickly on the rush, uh, get some odd-man opportunities, and you know put pucks in the back of the net. They put six by Nadelkovich in the wings last night. They looked really good. Uh, and you know instilling confidence in the team that's relatively young with a lot of young studs. Jesper Bratt, Nico Heischer, Dawson Mercer, Jack Hughes. I mean, young, young players. And even Igor Sharangovich scored last night. So this is a young group for New Jersey. As for the Wings, Dominic Kubalik looks like a really good addition, scoring his fourth goal of the year last night. He has 10 points in the first six games for the Wings, the former Hawk, going up to their rivals, Detroit, and he's playing pretty well. This is a Wings group that's going to be really, really fun to watch over the next couple of years. Finally, wrapping up last night's action with the Canadians falling to the Wild 3-1. to Brandon Duhame scores a pair of goals from Minnesota. Uh, along with, uh, excuse me, Erickson Eck gets credited for the first one. So Erickson Eck scores a pair along with Brandon Duhame. Cole Caulfield, the young stud, scores for Montreal as they continue to struggle up there. It's going to be a long rebuild for the Canadians, but they will get there. I think Martin St. Louis is the right coach there while trying to get things back on track after a slow start. So we will keep you updated with NHL tidbits, news, and all things hockey coming in further editions of Heavy Hitters. Just some recent updates for what's been going on. Just to wrap up, though, other recent starts, good starts, excuse me. Dallas, 4-2-1. They're sitting there right there with Colorado. I'm on the top of the Central. Uh, you got Buffalo, 4-2. I mentioned they're sitting there with Detroit and for the wild card spots early on. Carolina, 4-1-1. They're playing yeah. pretty well. 
Flyers are 4-2 and two through their first six, and Ottawa also 4-2 through their first six. So we will see a lot of shakeups in the East. So many quality teams. We'll see a lot of mixing and matching in these standings as the course of the season. Going to be a yes, lot sir. of ebbs and flows, lots of changes. Fun races to monitor all throughout the entire National Hockey League. All 32 teams, it's going to be fun, well, for most of them anyway, except for a lot of the bottom dwellers in the West, like the Canucks. A lot of the Pacific. Uh, Canucks, Ducks, Sharks, and the Coyotes as well. Would you call them sitting Ducks? Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yes, absolutely. We will wrap up today's show with one college game preview because time does not permit. And that will take us to Happy Valley, Ohio State, Penn State, number two, number 13. Some of the big statistical matchups, a lot of it favors Ohio State. The Buckeyes, second in the FBS in scoring and averaging 49 points per game. They are 15th in passing yards per game with 312. But on the defensive side, they're first in first downs allowed. They've only allowed 83 first downs this year to their opponents. Going back to the, uh, no, sticking with the defensive side, excuse me, Ohio State, third in the FBS in passing yards allowed per game, allowing only 149. So, uh, interesting. What's the path to a Penn State win here, Mitch? Uh, Taking out Sean Clifford. I can't stand That's him. That's it? <laughs> I, I don't like him, Jack. I really don't like him. Um, no, of course the... Look, you said it. They score 49 points a game. I mean, it's insane. You got you to gotta keep them under uh, 32-ish. Under 32. Um, and, I mean, what, what do you want me to say? Penn State just has to score? Well, that seems to be the issue because of Sean Clifford. He can't throw the ball. He can't do anything. We scored on two big plays last week. A pick six... And a big run from Clifford. And that was against Michigan. He's just not good. I mean, they throttled Minnesota. Oh, I know. I know. Which was a good bounce back. It was a very good bounce back. I'm just not convinced. This is Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't blame you here. Look, there is a... <laughs> I don't think there's a path for Penn State to win this That's game. what I'm saying. I like, don't. what do you want me to say? Honestly, I think the path... It's not even about this game. It's about the future. Just don't have Sean Clifford start as quarterback for you. That's how you win. I mean, this is Clifford's last year at Penn State. They I are 6-1. and one. They're probably not going to win this game. They'll go to 6-2. and two. But there's no way after this Penn State cannot finish 10-2. and two. I mean, they have a favorable schedule in front of them. Oh, they do, yeah. Probably their toughest game left is Maryland. <laughs> okay. And Maryland's 6-2. and two. No. So, uh, Shush. Quiet. I mean, I think Penn State wins it, but... Focusing on this week, right in front of them. Aller. Uh, Put in Aller. You please. gotta, you gotta lock down. I mean, lock down's a big word, but you gotta be able to keep C.J. Stroud and this offense somewhat in check. I mean, you can't let them just throw the ball all over the yard. You can't let Marvin Harrison Jr., Julian Fleming, and all these and Jackson Smith and Jigwin, all these other receivers just cook you. I mean, you can't let it happen. It just simply, you have to be able to get defensive stops, get off the field, especially on third down. On third down, you have to get off the field. That's a huge thing. Penn State's got to be able to run the football. Yeah. Can Nick Singleton uh, and Allen, can they do their jobs and run the football well enough to give Penn State favorable opportunities to throw it downfield through the air? Can the offensive line give Clifford enough time to throw? That was a problem against Michigan. They got to Clifford a little bit, made him feel uncomfortable. This Penn State offense really couldn't function at a high level. What? How much would Clifford have to throw for for Penn State to win this game? Over under 350. Over. Over, I think. Over three fifty. But here's the thing. I so think, the only path to a victory is through a shootout. Yes, I think if if Clifford throws for over three fifty, highly unlikely, and Ohio State scores under thirty two points, Penn State wins. And we have playmakers on defense. Don't Both get me are wrong. tough. Both are tough. But I think, uh, and, and I realize that's a very non controversial. Well, if your quarterback does well and your defense does well, you're probably going to win. I understand that. I don't think Penn State wins. Uh, any game where Ohio State scores more than 32. Um, don't ask me how I got 32. I was just running some numbers in my head. Um, but I, I think you're going to have to have 
Singleton have multiple like big runs, not just running effective for yards per carry, but like breaking into open space. He needs to have that electric jolt that that he's brought here for that makes him such a high recruit. And also, I mean, as much as I can say it, they're not gonna they're not gonna play Aller. You know, that's not gonna happen. No, it's not. But I, I think that would give you a better chance. I think. Look, yeah. Why not give him the tough. experience now so that he has that experience going into his later career? It's yeah. So that he's better against Ohio State next season and the season after that. I can Why understand not? That. I can understand that, but I don't know. Uh, we got to wrap up though. Quick, no fi- chance quick final thoughts for me on Ohio State, Penn State. I think Ohio State is going to try to run the ball a lot. They saw what Michigan did. They're not going to be able to do it the way Michigan did it, but I think they're going to try to run the ball, keep it balanced with the run attack, and CJ Stroud trying to kill him through the air. Um, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in today. As yes, always, as always, a lot of fun and talking sports these two hours. Uh, on Mondays and Wednesdays with you, Mitch. It's a great time. Love doing it. Uh, so there was so much to talk about today. World Series preview. Dude, the uh, Phillies are going to be playing in the World Series on Monday. It's crazy. We will be back on Monday talking about World Series, Man. NFL Week 8, previewing the Monday night game between the Bengals and the Browns, College Football Week 9, and some NHL, giving that all to you on Monday. Everyone, enjoy Let's your week. Have a great weekend. Boom. Enjoy some sports. Uh, and yeah. we'll be back on Monday.